You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, we got a lot to get to, including a bunch of great questions from our listeners and a bunch of playoff stuff. But first, the Islanders have a new head coach. And the new voice that Lou Lamarello was looking for was apparently the voice of Lane Lambert, who's been already working for the Islanders for four years. Uh, <laughs> so uh, um how are you feeling about the Islanders next season now knowing that Lane Lambert is the coach as opposed to Barry Trotz not being the coach? Yeah, this, uh, this episode is going to be uh, an extravaganza uh, <laughs> of some sort. Um, and I can't wait. I mean, I, I said to Emily before, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever been so excited to talk <laughs> about uh, something on this podcast and, and it has nothing to do with the Islanders yeah. uh, tangentially it does, but um I guess you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, I'm Lambert. Um, I think w- what I said last episode is kind of still how I feel, right? Like I think everyone is going to overestimate the impact on ice that the coaching change will have and meanwhile underestimate kind of the impact it has on the fan team relationship, which was probably at its peak, uh, especially in terms of my fandom. I don't think I can ever remember Maybe maybe 2001, 2002, that season was probably the last time that the team and fan base were on the same page as much as they were for um, the Trots era. So uh, there's there's that. Um, and But I do think that, well, like, it, it, it was a very – it was a bizarre but comforting decision um, in terms of I don't think Lane Lambert would take the gig if – Barry Trotz was 
let's say, railroaded unceremoniously dumped, however you want to say that. So this this kind of tells us a couple things. One, Lamarillo probably wanted to hire Lambert as Trot's, Trot's successor whenever the the runway ran out on, on Barry, um, who, you know, still I'm going to miss horribly. And if he does, he, he interviewed for the Winnipeg Jets job today. So, like, if he does take another job, it's going to be really hard to see him in a in a three-piece suit behind another jersey. <laughs> I can't say in another jersey, but in, right. a, in a three-piece suit behind another bench for sure. Um, but at the same time, like, the Islanders aren't making a ton of changes to their roster. We, we're all hoping for some upgrades whether they come via free agency or trades, however they come. Um, so this group of players will know Lane Lambert. We're hoping that, you know, that the relationship between him and the, the, the players he's coaching is good. Um, I'm assuming it is if, if, if he was hired. Um, so it's, it's comforting in that, in that way where like, we don't know, we don't know what he's going to be like as a head coach. Nobody, nobody right. does. I mean, you, you don't know what the team would have done under Barry Trotz next season. You, you just you can't have the answers to that question. We'll, we'll know when they start playing. Um, but you have to believe that the stuff that they've been, you know, that's been kind of worked into their their DNA over the past uh, four years under Trotz is, is going to still be there. Um, and now, you know, hopefully Lambert is, you know, they get that new manager bounce. Um, mm-hmm. The bizarre part is that it, happened the way it did right trots <laughs> out of nowhere fired on a monday a week later this you, you'd assume that there was going to be a you know a, co- a coaching search but you know it took a week uh for yeah. for this to once again out of nowhere be, be be lane lambert so you wonder why didn't they just do it right away um so that is the bizarre part and of course the new voice part is definitely bizarre but yeah. my little kind of did walk back that statement which he never does yeah he said uh maybe new voice was the wrong phrase to use which i was like Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah, he did kind of walk that back a little bit. But, uh, you know, people are going to be harping on that. But uh, but I agree with you. Like, there's not a whole lot of sort of track record to go on aside from those three games that he coached for the Islanders in January when Barry Trotz was uh, in Winnipeg because his mom had passed away. And then he got uh, tested positive for COVID himself. So uh, it was Lambert in the driver's seat. And Lamarello said he hung around the team a little bit more than he would normally. And he liked what he saw from Lane. So, um, you know, I. I, it's it's really hard to kind of feel one way or the other. My best friend texted me. He's like, what are we, you know, are we happy with Lambert? And I was like, I'm not mad. I'm not really happy. <laughs> like it is, it sort of is what it is. But I did think about that. And like, I think I even wrote that at Lighthouse too, where it was like, you know, even if the players, so Larry Brooks had had a column on Saturday slash Sunday that intimated that the players were kind of, you know, um, getting a little bit, uh, you know, tired of Barry's sort of all safe all the time style, want to open things up a little bit. And I could possibly believe that. Um, but even still, even if they did want a new coach that was going to open things up offensively a little bit, it's not like they just stopped playing defense. Like we, we've been down that road. And I don't think anybody on this team who was on the team prior to trots would want to go back to, you know, giving up three or 400 goals or whatever it was in a season anymore. So they don't, they didn't want to do that. And so having Lambert there to continue keep teaching those principles is probably good. But as Lemorello kept, st- you know, harping, like he's his own man, he's got his own ideas and his own theories. So this is not like, you know, he's just gonna, you know, keep doing what, what Barry was doing uh, just, you know, with hair as opposed to <laughs> Barry. Um, but uh, I think it was, it was uh, Friedman or, or Merrick brought up a good point too, that like, Prior to um, him getting his own job, 
through three other jobs, Tampa Bay, Rangers, Vancouver. Mike Sullivan was seen as uh, John Tortorella's guy. And like, you know, he was Tortorella's assistant throughout all these other teams. And then he finally got a chance with the Penguins and he won two Stanley Cups. So, I mean, people are pointing out Todd Reardon taking over the caps after Trotz left as his assistant getting elevated. But I mean, there's also the Mike Sullivan comparison. So we don't know. It could go either way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's weird to have this new coach and again, not have like a really strong feeling. I guess the good news is he's not Mike Babcock or Joel Quinville. So that's yeah, cool. I think I think it's like if you look at it, you can look at it from a hundred different ways. It's, and number one is the disaster averted. Um, right. Because I do think Babcock um, would have been a disaster. Yeah. Across the board. I mean, and obviously, you know, you can't go near Joel Quenville right. for, for a good reason, right? Like another disaster. So, so you avoid those um, kind of, you know, I don't know what you call it, like mines or landmines or something. And um, then, then of course, the other options out there, there are some good coaches. Um, Pete DeBoer, of course, like an hour later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, not that I wanted him. I don't think he would really be the kind of guy that would work with this group um, all that well. But um, like outside of that, then who are you looking for? Like right. Paul Maurice, does that excite anyone? Yeah. No, like does does it? Of course, like there's going to be those assistant names that, like Lambert. You just don't know how they're going to do. But there wasn't really, you know, there wasn't a Barry Trotz out there, right? So, right. so yeah. there wasn't someone who was going to come in and, and everyone was going to be like, "This is a genius move." Yeah. Um, maybe maybe if Sullivan had got canned after the Penguins. That, yeah, I was uh, thinking that that's why he was waiting for DeBoer but, or yeah. Sullivan, but. Yeah. I thought I thought so too, but that's why I thought it was so funny that he did it on Monday. I guess Lou, this 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 off season is going to be the Monday news dumps, Monday <laughs> mornings, and um, but uh, yeah, I thought you know so, see what happens with Bruce Cassidy in Boston, right? Yeah, um, see what happens with yeah Sullivan, see right. what happens with um, you know basically all those guys that, that were dumped out of the first round, right? Um, but I think the more and more you think about it, like the less and less concerned I become about the decision of hiring Lane Lambert. I'm still, of course, we'll still see if letting Barry Trotz go was a disaster. Like we won't know that answer until the the season gets underway. But you do feel like this is probably, you know, like it's a good almost half measure and it's probably what the team needed. If if truly they did want like a fresh set of eyes, they did want to stop hearing maybe the same thing over and over again, um, while also realizing, look, this is how this, this roster was built for Barry Trotz coach team. Mm. So we can't like just all of a sudden bring in, you know, Scott Gordon and the go-go system um, <laughs> with right. Anders Lee and, you know, uh, JG Pajot. This, this is, these, these are Barry Trotz style players. So, what you're getting is a Barry Trotz style coach who isn't Barry Trotz, I guess. So yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. A lot, uh, uh, you know, there's not much else to say uh, as we were saying, like it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost like this in a weird, bizarre way. It's almost like the status quo uh, <laughs> all, all the while still shocking the hockey world with a, with a change to, right. to the organization. And uh, yeah. And like Lambert had been on, in on the Colorado job before Jared Benar and the Anaheim job before Dallas Akins and a couple of other jobs. And he has been a head coach in, in AHL with Milwaukee when he and Trotz were with Nashville. Um, and so, you know, I, I think there, there's a lot to, to like, but also we don't really know. And my thing with coaches is always when, what do they do when there's the first bump in the road? 
whether it's a bad period or a bad stretch of games, you know, because they will happen. And like, you know, as much as we love Barry and as great as he was here, let's not forget that, you know, in every season uh, with the Islanders, like they had that awful stretch of games where they just sort of forgot how to play their style. <laughs> like it just happened every year. Right. And, you know, yeah. they, then they would in uh, two years in a row, they got the sort of, you know, get press reset and go to the playoffs. And that was like how they stopped the slide was just, Oh, the playoffs are here. And then they become a different team. So, you know, what happened this year, it was, the slide was early. They were obviously, you know, half the roster was out with COVID or hurt. They didn't get back. They never got back into it. And then once they got everybody back, they started playing. Okay. Uh, the year before, you know, the first year they had that, that slump too for a little while. So, you know, Let's check back in, you know, after 40 games or so and, and see where Lane Lambert is and we'll, we'll have stronger opinions at that point. Sure. And one, other, one other thing, just real quick about Lambert and the, and the switch. It also, I think, opens up the door to maybe a, a different kind of player um, in in the open market, the free free agency trade, how, whatever you want to say. Because yeah. let's say, um, you know, Kevin Fiala or uh, William Nylander, Philip Forsberg, these kind of guys who, who are known as, you know, I, I wouldn't say Barry Trotz kind of players, right? Like mm. you, you can't really see Kevin Fiala, who, who's gifted offensive guy, great finisher, uh, not terribly interested in, in doing the other stuff. Um, you know, I don't think that that Lamarello and would would go after someone like him under Trotz, but you know, now those doors maybe open a little bit more, uh, which which could be a little interesting um, in terms of that, because otherwise, like you know, we, I'm sure. This, this this in my head this is how it happens like in the off season you get a list of players and uh every gm and coach goes over it's like oh yeah like kevin fiala would be great uh, <laughs> william Nylander would be great and then the islanders are like oh man we've whew, i would kill for brad richardson or give, <laughs> God, give me give me give me blake coleman or right. something like that like so um it does open up the door a little bit i think uh, for for that kind of stuff, yeah, that's possible. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, in our cool. second half when we uh, ask uh, a lot of cool questions. We'll talk about some guys that uh, maybe the Islanders could look at or something like that. Um, so that's about it on Lane Lambert. Uh, good luck and uh, great head of hair. He's also got he also looks like Willem Dafoe, which so he's got that going for him. So <laughs> so you imagine the Islanders have hired the Green Goblin as their coach. So that's kind of cool. Um, so uh, we didn't really get to talk playoffs last time, and uh, we wanted to get to a couple of topics here. Obviously, the first round is concluded. Second round is actually going on right now. Uh, the Panthers and Lightning are already at it. Uh, the Panthers beat the Capitals in six games. Looked kind of dicey there for a little while, but they came through. Uh, the Lightning beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, who we're going to talk about extensively in a few minutes. Um, and I, mean, I just want to get to the other series uh, before we get to them. Uh, the Rangers beat the Penguins. We'll talk about the Penguins in a second, too. And Hurricanes beat the Bruins uh, in seven. Uh, Hurricanes now are going to play the Rangers uh, in a in a second-round series and uh, hopefully dispatch them quickly. And then over in the West, uh, the Oilers beat the Kings in seven games. Uh, they really stepped up in a big way. The Flames beat the Stars in seven games in overtime, despite the best efforts of Dallas goalie Jake Ottinger, who is a superstar now. Uh, but uh, they made it through. And so the Battle of Alberta is on once again for the first time in a very, very long time. Meanwhile, the Blues are going to play the Avalanche. Uh, the Blues uh, beat Minnesota in six games. People were surprised. Like, well, I can't believe they got past Minnesota. I'm sorry. When did the Wild become this sort of like giant killer i don't understand the blues are really yeah, I, don't good. I don't know why people are kind of sleeping on them yes they got to play the avalanche who 
destroyed the Predators and their third string goalie in a sweep. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think people are kind of sleeping on St. Louis a little bit. I think they, they could they have a chance to, to beat the Avalanche, although the Avs obviously are extremely very good. Uh, just don't ask Stan Fischler about them because he really does not like the Avalanche. Um, but the big thing that we wanted to talk about, uh, two things. One is the Rangers beating the Penguins. Um, the Rangers got very lucky. Uh, there was a lot of breaks here. I know it drove you crazy uh, to watch this happening <laughs> in slow motion in the seven game slow motion thing. Uh, I'm really sorry that that this happened, um, but uh, you know maybe, maybe the Hurricanes will take care of them. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, what, what does it I look like? So. Yeah, it's yeah. It was, I mean, it was. I I, I really don't want to get into it yet just because I'm, I'm really afraid, you know, they're the, it's the elephant in the room in Raleigh, North Carolina right now. And that <laughs> uh, there was, it was a lot of voodoo involved, I think with the Rangers and that's scary. You know, that's just really scary because uh, that when you, now I just can't picture them losing because uh, they should have lost that series like a hundred different ways and a hundred right. different times. And uh, every, every game, just like something catastrophic would happen to the Penguins and, uh, whether it be Casey DeSmith getting hurt, whether it be Justin Jarry getting hurt, then Casey DeSmith getting hurt, then right. Louis Domingue coming in. And like, it's just Sidney Crosby, Brian Dumoulin, Ricard Raquel. Like it was insane. Um, mm. And of course, you know, as, as is their right, because they won the series, they came back with three, one, the Rangers are painting it. And uh, as a, you know, gargantuan mm. comeback, this team just is so gritty and never quits. Um, yeah. I mean, you get to against Louis Domingue. Um, yeah. The game six goal, the game winning goal in game six, I think, uh, will go down as maybe worse than uh, was that Ty Conklin in game seven against the Carolina Hurricanes? Was it Conklin? Was it UC Markinen? What about the, uh, yeah, it was, it was Conklin, but I was thinking you were going to say the, the Tristan Jari. Jari. Yeah. I actually think it was worse than Jari. And, and I actually said this to Arthur Staple because hmm. what Jari was doing, like, that's a that's a brain fart, right? That's a mental mistake more than anything. Hmm. Deming, and that happens. Like what 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 Deming did in Game Six, and I don't know if you saw the goal because I know you don't like to no. watch the Rangers. <laughs> um, there was a shot from the point from Kreider, maybe someone, not with like a minute and a half left. The game's going to overtime. It was basically a dump in just on the goalie, and Deming went to catch it, but also had his blocker up there hmm. and hit <laughs> off his blocker before it got to his glove, bounced o- over his head and over like. Ugh. He was at the top of his crease, up and behind him, and then trickled in. Um, it was a sign from above that there's no <laughs> way that the Penguins were not winning. The Rangers yeah. were not winning the series. So um, that's enough about that. Uh, yeah. Because I, like I said at the top of the show, yeah. Well, well hold on before you before you get there. <laughs> I just uh, the reason I brought it up was because I, I I it's not so much about the Rangers who I just I hope the Hurricanes take care of them, but. The thing about the Penguins that has driven me crazy now is because they have followed the same pattern now since their Stanley Cup uh, years, the back-to-back Stanley Cup years. They followed the same pattern. It's the same thing every year. It starts out, can, can the Penguins get one more? Do Sid and, G- Sid and Gino have one more in them? We'll see. I don't know. It doesn't look good for them. And then they start the season, and everybody gets hurt. Everybody's hurt. Not a single person is alive. This is also like the uh, – the Mark Donk phase where they start calling up guys from the AHL and everybody's a superstar. They all score a goal in their first shift, but they can't keep this up. Everybody's hurt. They're done. Then they still, all of a sudden they start reeling off wins and they're in first place. 
And it's like, how did that happen? And then the hurt guys start coming back. And then it's like, you can't bet against Sid and Gino in the playoffs. This is a dark horse team. Nobody's talking about this team. And then they lose in the first round. Like this is the same thing that's happened every year. And like the team we're going to talk about in a second, like you can keep talking about how good you are, but at the end of the day, you keep losing in the first round. Why is that? Because you can't hold a lead. You can't hold a lead in the series. You can't hold a lead in the game. The Rangers did to the Penguins what the Islanders did to them two seasons. Like every time they had a chance to score, they they would score. And then the Penguins would would retaliate and then they just wouldn't. Like it's just I don't know. It just drives me nuts that it's the same thing. Yeah, over again from them. And, but I'm sorry. what's crazy is like we were rooting for the Penguins in this series, so like yeah. I'm like I'm hearing it, and I'm just like, can you just shut up? Yeah, like shut up for, for be a be a normal team for five minutes here and get right. the job done, rather than thinking like you're entitled to getting the job done because you have Sidney Crosby. Right. Um, and I will say like I truly enjoyed being able to root for Sidney Crosby for one reason, he was incredibly good. Yes, he was right. Until he got hurt, of course, because of course he did, because uh, that's just how that series is going. I get it. Like, I get why people are mesmerized by him, and, and he gets, you know, all the accolades that he does, and it was fun to be a part of that. But it also made me think, God damn, did the Islanders do a good job against him in the yeah. playoff series. Yeah. Like, if he could do this every shift, if he's got the potential to, if you make, if you're a little soft on your gap, or if you, you you know, have a bad pinch or, or a bad read, man, the Islanders just did such a good job in those two series yeah. against the Penguins. I don't know. They, they did it. And uh, yeah, they didn't mess around. But as you said, the big, yes. the big story of the first round is yet another failure. Yes. of The Toronto Maple Leafs who have now lost in the first round for six years in a row. They went toe to toe with the lightning. There's no shame <laughs> in losing to the two time defending Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning. That's bull. Don't buy that line. There is a ton of shame the Leafs should feel for losing this series. They had, as the Leafs always do, they had every possible advantage going in. They had a 60-goal scorer who might win the MVP. They had home ice. They had the best season they had had in franchise history, and they had home ice throughout the entire series. They had everybody healthy. Their goalie, who had missed a bunch of games earlier, came back. They were all healthy. They had the – did the Lightning play all that well in that series? No, not really. And here's the thing. The Leafs only needed to win four games. Like, that's all they needed to do was win four games. The NHL said, we're going to put seven more games on your schedule. you got to win four. You can lose three, but you got to win four of these. And they couldn't do it one more time. They couldn't win a fourth game. They had a 3-2 lead. They could not win a fourth game after the regular season was over. And you talk about entitlement. Like I, I don't know if the Leafs are a team that think they can win the cup or they deserve to win the cup because from what I'm, there's a difference. And what I'm hearing is a whole lot of deserve from these post game comments. Like, well, you know, we played real good. Where's our, why aren't we moving on? Cause you did, <laughs> you never do. You never do. So huh. what are you talking about? Anyway, you've been chomping at the bit for like, two, three days to, <laughs> to say yeah. a lot. So I'm going to start this by saying that the, the Amazon, I watched the last episode of that Amazon documentary again last night. Totally forgot. Um, that. I should watch that. <laughs> and let me tell you that Amazon documentary is a great reflection of how the Leafs are covered mm. by the Leafs media, um, which is basically just a, a PR marketing department at this yeah. point. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke um, <laughs> to the point that when one of them, uh, who we'll talk about is speaks kind of out of 
against what's going on, I'm like shocked. I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> you know, groundbreaking stuff from you know, Nick Kiprio saying that maybe the Leafs shouldn't just keep running it back. Um, uh, but that documentary was perfect for the Leafs because it was completely geared. Um, you can tell by the way it was set up, by the way it was narrated, by the way it was edited, and the way by the way it abruptly ends after the Leafs lose to the Canadians. <laughs> that the entire time that documentary was going on, it was geared to culminate with the Leafs getting past the first round and, you know, maybe winning the cup. But, and cause that's how they framed the whole thing was like, this team, this team's going to win. This team's going to win at the end. Don't worry. Like they're going to win because they're talking about how the, the, the guys in the rooms are battling adversity, how they all love each other. They're, they're overcoming all these obstacles. They're slaying demons and then they lose. <laughs> and then this season, while there was no Amazon doc, every Leafs, piece of content and i am a huge loser because i read it i i I read leafs stuff as if they're almost like another team for me because i can't get enough of the way this this kind of incredibly strange cringy media phenomenon with them which is that they have an entire army of of journalists and reporters who are basically acting like they have they're sitting in a locker stall next to William Nylander. Mm. They are, you know, when Sheldon Keefe is giving his pregame speech uh, or his pregame presser, he's talking to me because I cover this team. And they all write their stories. They've all been writing their stories. They've all filed stories. They've all published these stories from opening night to games right before game seven, as if I'm writing this as if it's like a thread, a, a, a chapter by chapter book. That is going to the final chapter is going to be the Leafs advancing past the first round, yeah. and they didn't. And instead of being like, "Holy shit!" like they lost again, and last year when they lost in the first round, after that debacle, they said, "There's no way anyone could ever survive another one." Just like after they lost to the Blue Jackets, they said the same thing. <laughs> and right. just like when they blew the lead to the Bruins twice, like they they said the same similar stuff, right? So instead of instead of writing the, the final chapter as if, you know, okay, they blew it, they wrote the final chapter as if they won. Like it's it's incredibly strange. It's like they accomplished their goal. Yeah. Which was to take another step forward by not embarrassing themselves in game seven. That is that's how they're they're framing this. Yeah. And it's not the Leafs. Like the PR department for any team, whatever, they will do their best to to when when your when your team disappoints, when your team come up comes up short, not the Islanders because like you know they just don't kind of do that stuff under Lamarillo. But remember the lightning thing, the the Rangers letter, whatever. Mm. Um, when when teams come up short, they will they will do the necessary PR moves. Nobody buys it, mm. uh, but when the media is doing it for you, it becomes an incredibly different thing. Like if you read Chris Johnston's Twitter timeline today, it was all random Leafs saying how much they love being a Leaf. And how they believe in the group. Right. There's nothing with no context or commentary at all. There's no like, oh yeah, Jack Campbell's really excited to be a Leaf. Oh, by the way, um, he loves being a Leaf. By the way, he's uh, an unrestricted free agent who the Leafs probably can't afford because (laughs) Kyle Dubas made a big mistake by signing Peter Mrazek to a to a contract, right? By the way, they're going to have to trade William Nylander to sign Jack Campbell to (laughs) sign a contract. (laughs) It's it's there's none of that, and and if you if you've there's been some some uh, we we talk about sense twitter a lot on the show and like how you know islanders twitter and uh sense twitter um kind of being in lockstep when it comes to the maple leaves uh it different coming from coming from a different kind of vantage point islanders obviously have been spurned by this team 
uh, through the Tavares thing and then going back to Darcy Tucker. Ottawa's, of course, very small market team in Ontario, which is in the, you know, it's Leafs country, right? But there's a, you know, a bunch of great sense accounts and uh, they, the, the one that, the, the tweet that really stuck out, I thought summed it up to me. Uh, well, there's two. One was, one was today by someone from the Canadian media uh, mm-hmm. who's basically, uh, <laughs> basically said like, uh, what the hell, like, what is, it's, it sounded like almost like a cult. Like mm. he was calling out a cult. He said uh, that the, he, he goes, I, it's from Arish Madani, who I guess is, is like a, not a particularly well-liked journalist among the Leafs fans, but he said he just watched the Dubas Shanahan press conference. They're speaking the way a franchise that's knocked on the door for a conference final or Stanley cup would not a team that can get out of the first round. Yeah. The disconnect with reality is truly bizarre. And that's the point I'm trying to make is like, these guys are all framing this. Like, like they just went on some, they tried to, they almost hiked Mount Everest. Yeah. <laughs> right. They've lost in the first round again. Like and and everyone's like, oh, they were there. It was so close. They lost by a hair. How can you blame them for losing to the Stamps? Close to what? Like close to getting out of the first round. round. (laughs) And then and also, there's another option here. Like you could have made it a not a coin flip series. You were up one nothing. You could have won game two going away. You were up two one. You could have won game four going away. You were up three two. You could have won game six. You were up three two in the third period of game six. You could have won that game going away. You could have won game seven going away. (laughs) But they didn't do it, yeah. and nobody is saying that. Everyone's saying they were so close. Like this, Chris Johnson on his podcast. Like I said, I am a huge loser, so I've been, I I tallied it up. I was texting with our friend Carrie Haber earlier that I listened. I t- I tallied up the amount of hours I've spent since they lost on Saturday night, which was what 10, 10 p.m. Let's say on Saturday night. Um, the amount of hours I spent listening to Leafs podcast, watching Leafs videos, rack, you know, see dangle type <laughs> things, whatever. And it's 16, 16 to 17 hours wow. in between there since then. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I am a huge loser. That's great. But, no, but it, it's fun. Like, it's yeah, fun. Exactly. It's something you know. I, I, I look forward to these days so mm. much. And, and especially <laughs> in a down year where, you know, I can't enjoy Islander stuff because, once again, there is a massive elephant in the room in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. So, I still can't even really think about the Islanders until that is taken care of. Mm. So, instead of focusing on, on, on this shade of Freud, and Chris Johnston. Once again, God bless the guy. He, if, if like I, I, if he ever blocked me on Twitter, I don't know what I'd do with myself because he provides me so much entertainment. Um, on his podcast, he said two quotes that are just perfect. The first <laughs> one was um, that the these the the loss, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the hard fought loss in round one this year, wipes away the stench from their previous failures in round one. And the second one was that he said, he goes, quote, and I quote, I will go as far as to say they slayed their demons. <laughs> they slayed their demons that slayed them for the sixth straight time. Okay. It's, it's truly astounding. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's what makes it fun is it's like a look into another world, like you said, like this sort of bizarre, you know, alternate universe where they lost, but they won. Like, it's like it's, North it's, Korea kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like gaslighting almost. Yeah. Like it's weird. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I've, I listened to, um, real Kipper and Bourne, which is, uh, Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne and their producer, Sam. And, uh, now Bourne obviously is an Islanders legacy. He's like the one guy at Sportsnet that doesn't hate the Islanders, but, uh, I found it really interesting. And we were talking about this before we, we started recording that like 
Kiprios has just gone all in. Like Kiprios is done. Like he's just completely had it with these guys. He wants, first of all, he wants apparently six Darian Hatchers on D, which I don't think is what <laughs> you can do these days. But he's just like basically saying what we're saying, which is like, what have you accomplished? Like all this stuff is you haven't accomplished anything. And like, you know, just to turn it on the Islanders real quick, and I'm gonna do this again in a couple of minutes too, but like, you know, one thing we learned under Barry Trotz is like you either do it or you don't do it. Like you know, we used to have these kinds of conversations too when the Islanders would make the playoffs and go to six games with the Penguins or seven games with the Caps. And it was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But like at the end of the day, you just didn't do it. So like, what are we even talking about? And of course, those Islanders teams didn't have nearly the kind of firepower and talent level that these Leafs do. And so that's, you know, Kiprios' whole thing is like, you guys have to, you have to do something. Like you can't just keep giving people nothing and expect them to to you know still pay you money but then sam the producer and I, I i don't know he might maybe he's a lovely guy i don't know this guy is like the very prototypical crying leafs fan that i'm talking about where like you know it's like well why couldn't you know why don't he, he said a thing on monday which was uh he, he said and i have to tell, had to tell this to my wife because i couldn't believe somebody actually said this he said i just once i want my team to get a break like johnny goudreau had to break in overtime against the stars and Connor mcdavid had that break you know, in game seven against the Kings. I want my team to have a break. Dude, all your team does is get breaks. Yeah. What are you talking about? Getting Austin Matthews was a break. Getting Mitch Marner getting was a break. Getting John Tavares was a break. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and you have the ultimate break, which is you are the richest team in the league. Right. You in had the center of the hockey universe. You had every break going for you for seven games, and you threw them away. You threw them away. <laughs> and they keep talking about this bounce, like, oh, we didn't get a bounce here. We didn't get a bounce right. there. If we just get a bounce, like, we're into the next round. Yeah. I mean. Well, the um the Tavares goal that got called back because Justin Hall was in the crease. Okay, well, what about the other 59 minutes and 30 seconds right. of the game? Just like, don't make it come down to that. And, <laughs> or, and also, it's hockey. Every team in the world that's ever played a hockey game could say, ah, oh, man, if that puck just didn't yeah. you know, hop off a, a – a, a piece of like bad ice and, and hop and force me to go offside. I would have scored. Right. It's, 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 it's truly incredible stuff. And the Islanders lost game seven in the Eastern conference finals on the only shorthanded goal they gave up all season. They lost the game one, nothing. So don't talk to me about missing a bounce. Like, right. come on. And you know? it's, <laughs> I just, what's, it's truly astounding that they've, because the media that these fans digest more than anything is, is, you know, like I said, like kind of that North Korea style, Kyle <laughs> Dubas' Kim Jong-un stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, Kyle Dubas with another hole-in-one. He just set the course record 18 on the <laughs> golf course today, right? Like, yeah, it's because it's that, like, they're all, a lot of them are warped into thinking, like, they're just going to, they've been conditioned to think this way. So it, it's almost genius in some way that they've been able to sit, to recognize, like, if we get these, these writers, these quote unquote like progressive hit mm. hockey writers at the athletic to to do our marketing for us and, and for us being me, Kyle Dubas, you, Brendan Shanahan, and him Sheldon Keith. By the way, it's incredibly strange that they all they all refer to them by their first names on yeah. on, on these shows. They're like, you know, like she, that's what Sheldon's thinking here, right? Like it's just it's very strange how everyone talks about these guys as if they're their buddies. It's I'm, well, I really wonder if, if when James Myrtle writes an article on, at, at The Athletic or Jonas Siegel or Josh Cloak or one of the other 18 writers they have covering <laughs> the Leafs on staff, if they send it to Dubas to be like, hey, do you, 
is this cool to post and he's, yeah. you know, he goes through it, sends back a couple edits and says, yeah, yeah. maybe you're a little too harsh on me. Or you, you might want to delete the part about the Nick Felino trade that nobody <laughs> talks about, right? Like you might want to delete, hey, delete the Felino trade, delete the oh, yeah. Mazic bit. And um, also Alex Galchenyuk, uh, what a yeah. jam I unearthed there, right? Right. Yeah, that was another one. Yeah, you sent me that. Somebody in the athletic was like, look at all the gems he got. Um, uh, yeah. Mike Amadio. Uh, yeah, Mike Amadio. Um, another guy who's playing for somebody else now. Yeah, he's playing for the Sharks, that Russian guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bar- Barabanov. Yeah, and Alex Galchenyuk. Why is he a fine for Kyle Dubas? Because he scored like five goals that one week two years ago. Like, I don't – and he's the guy who gave away the puck in game six against the, the Habs last year, wasn't he? Yeah. Or like, come yeah, on, dude. I feel like – but no, I get what you're saying because it feels like – they're writing for not that the team's obviously not going to read this stuff because everybody, all the teams read everybody's stuff, but like, it seems like they're writing so that they get a compliment on what they wrote. Right. Whereas like somebody like our buddy, Arthur Staple, who I'll just use, or even Kevin Kurz, like they write stuff about the Islanders. And if somebody's got a problem with it, they're going to talk to him about it. Like, you know, right. like, uh, you know, even like uh, Charlie O'Connor at the athletic too, writes about the, the flyers. Like if somebody's got a problem with one of the things he's going to write, you're gonna, he's going to hear about it. And that's just part of the gig. But the Leafs guys, they don't seem to to worry about that part of the game because they don't they don't do that. But and anyway, yeah. A couple more things, like, like so, and, and I'll admit to this, like I didn't, I was so nervous about Game Seven because because I truly did going going into Round One, I was like, you know, between the Leafs and the Rangers, if we could just get one of them out in Round One, I'd be happy. And I just assumed the whole time it would be the Rangers because the Leafs are good, like they they were good during the regular season, just like they were during the regular season last year, and. And also, by the, real quick, talk about breaks. Last year, they had a Canadian division set up for them, basically. Yeah. Here's, here's the easiest path to the Final Four that you can imagine in, right. in probably playoff history, and they still squandered it. Anyways, but, um, talk about breaks. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I thought, you know, the Leafs truly would, especially after game one, I was like, damn, like, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And the whole series, I was sick about it. And I didn't watch game seven. I, I, I volunteered myself on Saturday night to go pick up dinner at somewhere 30 minutes away from my house because I didn't <laughs> want to watch or look at my phone yeah. or hear it. So I just didn't. And, uh, you know, spent an hour and a half driving, uh, and getting picked, waiting for dinner, picking it up, whatever, the whole thing hmm. came home, watched Ozark with, uh, my wife. And she was, she was basically yanking my chain the whole time. She'd just be like, Oh, Looking at her phone because she knew how how right. you know, wretch wretching how much wretching I was doing about the Leafs. And she's like she's like oh that's too bad with like two minutes left. I'm like don't even start. And yeah. I, I mean it was if if I spoke to a therapist about what I did on Saturday night, they would say you need to likely just never watch NHL hockey again. You need to just stay as far away from the Toronto Maple Leafs as possible because they are, they consumed your life. Yeah. For, for a fortnight and they did and it's not even a fortnight. Like I've started to freak out about their playoff matchups. Going back to March, like maybe even earlier than that. Right. Like, God damn it, right? I'm um, hoping they played the Bruins because yeah. they have the Hex. And then I was like, oh, maybe they play the Panthers. They'd be even better. But, uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, my wife and I were watching Top Gun. Uh, we, we decided because I we're going to go see the sequel in a little while. I also did not want to watch the Leafs at all. And I'm like, let's watch Top Gun. She had never seen it before. Uh, she was not impressed. She's like, nothing <laughs> happens. I'm like, stuff happens. It's just, you know. It's joshing uh, up in up in the high, you know, ten thousand feet or whatever. They they can't go below the hard deck, ten thousand feet. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it was worth it though. Like all that, all that retching, sure, all, all of it. You know, 
now we got a whole summer of, of yeah. shot Freud, like you said. To- it's just so worth it. And I turned on the game as, as basically as the lightning cleared it. Cause I saw the oh, there's like 11 seconds left. Um, of course, the first thing I see, the first bit of game action I see from the game is Tavares in the slot. He, I mean, he was facing the wrong way, but it was like eight <laughs> seconds left. And he just like threw it towards the net. Yeah. I'm um, like, oh my God, I, I jinxed them. And, but of course they, they, they ended up clearing it and whatever. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I watched the the end, and I just immediately started to just gorge myself mm. on yeah. this content, starting with Steve Dangle, <laughs> going all the way down the list. Mm. And the fact that um, I'm not done really tells you that my priorities are completely out of whack. But like <laughs> I said, it's just it's so much fun. The, the, the lockout clearout day is just as much fun as the elimination day because of the way everything is framed by the by the media. Um, mm. And and you know, more and more stuff will, will come out and yeah. uh, I do, I really do appreciate all the people who are like, let's run it back, run it back, run it back. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing the that the first thing that everyone it. tweeted was because, you know why? Because on Sunday on 32 thoughts, hmm. Jeff Merrick asked Elliot Freeman before the game seven even happened. If, if the Leafs lose, do you think everyone's going to, you know, the people will lose their job? And he said, no, like if you have to set that up before game seven, you're, you're already doing the work for, you know, the marketing, the PR department for them. And then everyone, of course, is like, yeah, it's like, we can run it back. It was it's whatever. You can't run it back. You yeah. don't have a goalie. Your right. defense is – you have a 38-year-old UFA defenseman. Jake Muzzin can't stay healthy. He's got $5.6 million of your cap space. You have an 11 million – I mean, we haven't even talked about John Tavares. We <laughs> need a part two because I know we have the mailbag to get to. But should, like, we, should we move him to the wing? Yeah. Should they trade him? Should they give him? They strip the captaincy from him? Oh, he's going to hear it this summer. Oh, and it's great. And, and last last summer it was Steve Simmons who who talked – or I guess – yeah, it was like during this – maybe during this the, the regular season this year that Steve Simmons was was like going in on Tavares. But this year it's, it's, it's everybody. And um, – yeah, I mean, it's, he, had it's two, he had two great games though. Game six and seven, he looked great. Well, congratulations. Yeah, right. Like that was a, like, like thank God he did because if he didn't, man, um, right. <laughs> because he he was hearing it early uh, in that series, like even yeah. when they were winning. And yeah, I mean, so there's a lot to look forward to on that on that front because he's got three years left on that deal, which is really interesting. We're more than halfway through that deal, hmm. which is really just dawned on me today. Um, and it's eleven million dollars of cap space. Marner and Matthews are both right, like right around that number. One I think is like eleven six. The others are yeah. so. If Tavares is eating up that much cap space, like they really don't have much that they can do. And Dubis, you know, like they they did a good job over the offseason of like hitting on lottery tickets. You're not going to be able to, to knock it out of the park with David Camp and Michael Bunting and whatever this. Well, Bunting's a UFA of, too, by the uh, way. No, he's got one more. Like, oh, does he? Oh. he was too. Yeah. So like, but like Mikheyev is a is a mm. free agent. Um, you know, Andre Kasha is a restricted free agent. Their defense, like I said, needs to overhaul because Giordano uh, is a free agent. Um, and Muzzin is just, you know, he's, he's banged up and, and expensive. And then, of course, yeah, the goaltending. So, like, okay, what do you mean run it back? Nobody here is saying that, like, we should trade Mitch Marner or, or Austin Matthews. Like, that's not what any, that's not what saying, like, hey, you might want to make changes means. What it means is that, you know, there's, there are going to be changes around those guys. Um, so yeah, of course they're going to run it back with, with Marners and Matthews, but the rest of the, the group, like it's hard to, Matt, they just set the franchise record for points in a regular season. How are they going to get better than that? Is <laughs> in their cap situation. Like you can't, like it's hard to, and, I, and I'm just talking about from a probability standpoint, like they're going to be better than the best re- regular season they ever had. I don't know. I, so 
Yeah, it just cracks me up that like here here they are this entire media contingent pat, except for Nick Kiprios <laughs> patting yeah. the Leafs on the back for doing the same thing they've done in the last couple of years saying no, it's different this time. They played well in all seven games. Okay, well spectacular. That's great. Meanwhile, the Florida Panthers who had not won a playoff series since my sophomore year in college, 1996, <laughs> they went out, they had they also had the best regular season in franchise history with a guy who could be considered an MVP candidate and knew that they had, you know, obviously the, the media pressure in Florida is not what it is in Toronto. They knew that they had to go out and perform and at least went around in the playoff to show that, you know, they had done something and they went out and they did it. They did it. And okay. The caps aren't the lightning, but like the lightning really weren't the lightning in that series either too. Yeah. Like, when we're but, talking about breaks, like Braden point clearly wasn't himself. Yeah. Basil, it took Vasilevsky till game seven to have a Vasilevsky game. Right. Uh, if the Islanders got that version of the Lightning, geez, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they would have won the Stanley Cup. Like, like that's that's talk about breaks. Like you didn't get Victor Hedman took game one off, and then you know right. anytime that they they need a win, he would turn it back on. But they didn't get the Lightning. They got they got whole, like beat by a, a mediocre version of the Lightning. Right. So that, I mean, and none of that's coming up. Right. I mean. Do we, do we, I mean, nobody listening to this is going to forget what Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough did to the Islanders in back to back. I mean, the, the, the year in the bubble, Victor Hedman was like the Terminator. That right. guy couldn't be stopped. I mean, the Islanders did the best they could, but my God, that guy was, he was insane that year. He scored like 83 goals in a series. Right. Um, and, then, and then Ryan McDonough played the same part last year. <laughs> like, he was yeah. great, you know? But uh, it's just, and so they went out there and, and like, again, taking it back to the Islanders too, like, in, in, the the first trots here, 2019, the Islanders made the playoffs. They they had they had missed the playoffs for two years in a row. They were playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team that had just come off. They were you know two years removed from winning back to back Stanley Cups with a bunch of Hall of Famers on it, and they had had the best record you know that they had in a long time. And they went out there and they swept the Penguins, just swept them <laughs> like they didn't let them up off the mat for four games. Like so, what are we even talking about here? You either do it. Or you don't do it. And for whatever reason, that team doesn't do it. And like you said, you could say run it back all you want. Again, this this phrase has now been ruined forever by these people. You could but you can't because there's no money. Like there's no money there to run yeah. it back. So yeah, you, you it's I just I don't get it. I, 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 yeah, and, and it's it's not over yet, which is both right. ex- exhausting but also great because yeah. it's gonna kill a lot more time for me over the next few days as as more you know, the, the um <laughs> These these exit interviews are are Zapruder filmed, um, <laughs> even though they didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, oh wait, and we didn't even talk about the best line from the post game press conference. Oh yeah. yeah. When Sheldon Keefe said that they got more respect in the handshake line, and uh, instead of somebody like questioning it, mm. Chris Johnston and Luke Fox decided, wow, this is a seminal quote. Yeah. He's 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 rallying the troops like he's he's picking their chins up for them, boys. You it's gotta respect. You got a respectful Back. handshake from the team that just beat you. Right. Oh my, like <laughs> if, if, if Barry Trotz or it would have never come from Barry Trotz, but if Jack Capuano, mm. Doug Waite, Scott Gordon, Steve Sterling, whoever you want to talk about, like if they said something like that after mm. a playoff series loss, when you haven't won one since 2004, mm. I would have, been so ashamed <laughs> that yeah. that would be that to me is like the, the lowest point i think and i i, I don't feel any embar- like i don't really know any leafs fans 
at yeah. all. Like I don't. Um, so which is nice because I don't have to like be concerned <laughs> for them, um, their well being. But they're I don't ever feel bad for them because they're just incredibly annoying. Um, and as you know, as I'm painting them with a broad stroke, but whatever. Um, the one time throughout this entire situation, just going back to that Bruin series mm. to now, going back to the Capital series, whatever. The one time I maybe fret, felt a shred of empathy for them was when Keith said that. Yeah. You know, after the Lightning won last year's cup, I want to say it was Nikita Kucherov, but it might have been somebody else. They asked, you know, what what was it like? And they or asked them some question, and they basically said that the Islanders gave them more trouble than any other team. And nobody brings it up ever again. Meant absolutely nothing at the time. <laughs> you know, right. I remember thinking like, Oh, that's nice. Like, okay. Made, so made it feel like, worse. Honestly. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. So, we know. We, we went right. through it too, buddy. So they played seven other teams, and the Islanders were the only one that gave them a run for their money. Okay, that's great. That and 250 gets you a ride on the subway. Like, that's, you know, that's <laughs> what that means. So that it just goes to show, again, like the total difference in like, you either do it or you don't, and they just haven't done it. Okay. We've done enough Leafs talk. We appreciate you yeah. sticking with us for, for all that. We've had a, had a lot to get off our chest. Oh, and, uh, I, I gotta, we'll be back next week for more. For yeah, more definitely. Leafs, Leafs lunch. We rec- definitely recommend you checking out uh, Chris Johnson's podcast on The Athletics. Steve Dangle, obviously, there. <laughs> I can't stomach Dangle. I'm sorry. Uh, but Kipper and Bourne is fun. So uh, you can listen to that, and especially if you want to hear Nick Kiprios going in on the Leafs. But when we come back, we will have our first and probably only ever mailbag <laughs> segment on uh, Islanders anxiety. So come back with us and uh, here's some of uh, our great listener questions. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Before we get to our question and answers, we have to have a word from our sponsors. Uh, first is always VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Use the code LONGISLAND to save 10% off anything in the store. And uh, check it out. I mean, it's playoff time, but you can always rock some cool uh, New England Whalers or New York Golden Blades stuff uh, during the playoffs. And that is at VintageIceHockey.com. Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play big pick for free anywhere in the U.S. or play for real residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Click the link in the podcast description to join. Must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at local wine shops and at UBS Arena, which is still open, even though the Islanders aren't there. So if you're going to a concert or something, uh, check out some wines from the Pinot Project. Please play and drink responsibly. Okay. Uh, We got a lot of great questions here. Thanks to everybody who sent stuff in. We really appreciate it. We're going to try and get to as many as we can. It's been a long episode, but you know what? 
why not? It's uh, we got a lot of time and uh, it's, you know, only so many playoff games to go around. So uh, we're going to start with a cool question from Lester who uh, asks about Lane Lambert. Um, is Lambert enough of a new voice that the Isles would be able to improve upon success with trots? What insight can we gain from his head coaching stint in the past? At least does this resolve the previous questionable management of young talent? Um, as we said before, uh, we don't really know. Uh, is he a new enough voice? Lou Lamorello seems to think so. Uh, what insight can we gain from his head coaching stint? Probably not a whole lot. Uh, and does he resolve the previously questionable management of young talent? I didn't think Barry Trotz's management was that questionable. Noah Dobson led the team in in uh, ice time this year. Yeah, everybody wants to point to Wallstrom, but I mean, the guy got plenty of chances. He played a lot of games and he just didn't do much with it for most of the season. So um, I don't know, but I do have a, a problem with Newsday's headline writers because the Andrew Gross wrote an article and it talked about his response, his relation, Lambert's response uh, relationship with Barzell. And I read it and it didn't say anything about that at all. I was expecting to say like you know, buddies or friends, but it didn't say anything like that. So that sort of bothers me. So what do you think? I mean, you know, we already talked Lambert. Yeah, but- I, I think the last, the last part of the question is more about how does the, it should light a fire under, Right. I guess you know this is about Oliver Wallstrom, right? Like, like it should light a fire under him, if if anything, which is fine. Like that that's part of what happens when you get a new coach. Is in, in any sport that some players just end up getting more time and and a new role and more trust, less trust, whatever. So, I think the onus is actually on Wallstrom more than um, Lambert, right? Because mm. hey, you got a new coach, so yeah. you, you you clearly weren't gelling with the old one. Figure it out, buddy. Yeah, that's good. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, okay, Jeff asks us, uh, what do you say is the likelihood that we see the, quote, hockey trades this offseason that Lou has alluded to? How much change do you think we'll see this offseason via trade or free agency to address the team's needs? Uh, filling in the D, more kind of stuff like that. Um, I mean, Lou has to make trades. Like, he said it. He's got to. He's got to do something. Whether or not we like those trades, I don't know. Um, <laughs> how much change we think? I mean, that's hard to say. I, there's got to be at least... I would say a couple of new players. I mean, new players, not like, you know, guys from Bridgeport or something like that. I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one. But uh, he, he said he was going to make trades. So you better make with the trades. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I would say it's it's more likely than not we see a hockey trade. And um, the, only, the only kind of reason I have a little bit of pause is that, you know, he, he did just make a big shakeup, obviously. Right. So he could say, you know, we, we that was the, the big change that we made, right? And it was a big trade, a change. Um, and like last year, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that uh, the team was going to upgrade that second pairing on defense, and they never did. Um, so just just because like it, it all signs point to a trade or, or something happens, uh, something happening doesn't mean it will. Yeah. Um, but I would say more likely than not, and uh, I'm hoping for for like a, an active kind of off season in that regard, but. Yeah. Whether it happens or not, I mean, what's the last time the Islanders had an, like a really active off season? Uh, twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, so like Robosky, Kuhlman. I mean, because like the Letty Boychuk thing, that was the same, right? right same off season. Yeah, yeah so right. it's like that. That was the one, right? Like, so it's been a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time, and and that leads us to a question from Mike, who asks, "What do you think the over under is on trades Lou will actually make before next season? Three and a half." Uh, I got to laugh at this, not because of the question. The question is a great question, but it's funny to me because setting the over under at three and a half 
is kind of wild because Lou, in four years running the Islanders, has made four trades. <laughs> it was Matt Martin. And then we waited two years for Andy Green and Pajot. Oh, yeah. And then a year later was Palmieri slash Zajac. That's Amazing. it. Those are the trades. So if he was to almost hit, you know, that's four trades. If he was to do three and a half in one summer, that would be like a mind blowing thing. So I'm going to take the under and say it's going to be more like two. Yeah. But what do you think? <laughs> I would say so too. I think it, I think you're looking at it as you can. There's going to be a trade, hopefully an upgrade next to Barzell, and then uh, an upgrade on defense. Uh, so that's where what I think. I mean, maybe like a minor trade as well yeah. to get us to three. But so yeah, I would say I would say two and a half would probably be the, <laughs> well, uh, there you the go. line. Yeah. We're both uh, we're both way in the uh, pessimistic glass half yeah. fill <laughs> uh, section of that, but uh, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, Lawrence asks us three most urgent moves Lou needs to make over the offseason. Well, you just said two of them: uh, somebody to play with Barzell, puck moving D. Um, you know, I would say, I guess uh, you know, it's easy to say just like a depth person or something. Um, the, what the, I think what they really need to do is kind of like find a person who can spell Casey Sezikis every once in a while. And it's not like, you know, I think Casey ended up having a pretty good year, but it was a little rough for him at patches. And I think that, you know, part of the problem is they don't have a guy who can play those minutes. And so Peugeot or somebody gets, or even Nelson gets, ends up getting double shifted. I think they need a reliable fourth line center to slide in every once in a while and, and help those guys out when they get hurt. Um, whether that person can, you know, follow in the footsteps of Casey Sezikis, I don't know. Uh, Aside from the first two, like you said, I mean, is there somebody else that you, some other position you think they're looking at? It makes sense. Like they need to, they probably just need to upgrade the, the that fourth line depth. Yeah. Like they need to create some competition probably between Johnston, Clutterbuck, and Martin. Like it shouldn't be a, a, a you know, now that Trotz is gone, it shouldn't be a yeah. um, foregone conclusion that those three guys are penciled in every every night where they're healthy. Um, I also think, you know, this is maybe a little bit of a cop out because it's more off ice that the team needs to kind of mend their fences with the fan base a little bit after the season the um the traps thing and I th- you know i think people are a little perturbed with with i've just been reading and hearing from people who are you know season ticket holders or whatever um that not that like the, the game experience at ubs arena is great right like the arena is great sight lines are perfect everything like that but like the um kind of I guess ancillary tangential stuff has not been great. The parking, obviously they, they never got the garage fixed. Yeah. I was going to say, so, where's that garage? Yeah, right? Like that kind of stuff. Like, and even like the, there's like that plaza they're supposed to be building, but they yeah. can't build that until people get the garage fixed, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they kind of oversold the amenities part of the arena. I didn't really notice this until um, I think I saw it on Reddit. Like people were complaining about that and, and like, their their season ticket reps maybe like not not being great but um i don't really pay, i wasn't paying attention because like that kind of stuff i don't i just like to go to the games like to make sure i have a good sight line um, we've been spoiled by nasa coliseum like all i care about is that it's loud and you can see everything and, and ubs arena ticks those two boxes for me so but um so i would say something like you know basically to to mend fences with the fan bases um is is one of them and, and guess what one way to do that is is to bring in a superstar via trade or whatever. So that's a good point. Uh, and that's, that's such a good point. I'm going to attack on one more myself, change the damn goal song. It's enough already. It's enough. <laughs> that song sucks. And it's been around way too long. Okay. Uh, Jack asks us 
give us predictions. You talk about superstars. Give us your predictions of who the Islanders acquire for one, a first line winger, two, a puck moving D man. And then a bonus question, true or false, the, Island- the Islanders fail to make the playoffs next season. Lamarell and Lambert are fired. I will take part two first. No, I don't think, <laughs> I, th- I don't know what it would take for the ownership to fire Lou Lamarello, but I don't think it would be another playoff for a year. And I don't think Lambert would have that happen to him in year one. Um, predictions for the first line winger. Uh, you know, my heart says a bunch of different people love to see Johnny Goudreau, but it's not going to happen. I think, I think they're going to make a play for Brian Rust. I'll be honest with you. I feel like that's, that's a guy they're going to try for using the Crosby excuse. Uh, puck moving D man. Boy, I don't even know. I, I don't even, I can't even name you one. The only one I can name is Devon Taves. So I don't <laughs> even really know. Any, and I don't want to go down that, open that whole thing again. Um, I mean, is there, are there two guys that jump out to you? Maybe I'm, I'm missing something. Uh, yeah, I, I think the the puck moving D man like Chikrin is the one that comes to mind right away. I think that there's there there are going to be other guys. I think that you can maybe get from like like Vince Dunn again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like some, <laughs> someone like that. Like you can probably I'm not even really sure who's available. I guess yeah, that's like, yeah, and like I think someone like you know Cam Fowler. By mm-hmm. the way, you know Nick Nick Letty is is. Absolutely coming back next year. I'll pencil him in as the Islanders' number six defenseman next to Scott Mayfield. You're, you're jumping questions. We got to neglect. Oh, really? <laughs> um, but uh, but like I think I think Chick Rand will probably be the he's like the most obvious one um, mm. and the one that that kind of sticks out. I I like uh, you know Travis Sanheim for from Philadelphia if if they truly are going to if if they don't land Goudreau and they don't get Trotz I think the 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 Oh, there's no way that they're going to rebuild. Kind of narrative is is overblown that we keep hearing, because uh, they probably will. Um, uh, and then I think like the Wild are are the are a team where you can probably do some, you know, you can get someone. I think Jonas Burdine has a no movement clause, and mm. uh, Matt Dumba I think plays the wrong side. But like those those guys, like if you can get them, then you you maybe make them work by moving someone else out and whatever. Yeah. But uh. And then the first line winger, man, I mean, I would just love, 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 uh, you know, William Nylander just because it would piss off the <laughs> fans that he's not that expensive in terms of yeah. his cap hit. Um, and I think the Islanders can kind of give Toronto a package that they'd like, which is, you know, maybe it's Mayfield hmm. plus the Leafs would need a cheap, you know, cheap, good defenseman. And Scott Mayfield, exactly that. And they would love him. I'm talking about Darian Hatcher, right? Mm, yeah, um, right. So, and um, I think, True or false, the Islanders fail to make the playoffs. Uh, there's no way Lou Lamarillo is going to be fired, right? Like he's either going to sail off in the sunset if the Islanders need to rebuild, or he is uh, going to stick around if they're good. Um, and I would assume that Lambert is probably here for no matter what happens next year. So, yeah, um, um, I'm going to throw out one more name: puck moving D man, uh, Chris Letang. Uh, can you imagine that oh my no i could not (laughs) maybe maybe five years ago that'd be great but not now um and uh i'm just before because we don't really have any other questions like this um i'm gonna throw out a name that i i think might be available via trade uh and i think the islanders could make get him probably not for a whole lot more than scott mayfield or something like that uh jonathan marcheseau i think would Mm -hmm. be a really interesting pickup He's like a Corsi god for those that are still looking at that kind of thing. I think he could play with Barzell for sure. He's a, he drives play. And uh, Vegas is consistently, constantly, irritatingly up against the cap. So it probably wouldn't take much to get him. Uh, so that's another option there. I haven't, haven't seen anything like that, so I'm going to throw his name out there. Rust yeah, is I a mean, U.S. The, the, the Knights are really interesting in that regard, too. Right? Like, like 
they're going to need to move some guys out. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so like they might, when they remember when they traded Nate Schmidt, everyone's like, how can they do this? You know, he, yeah. and then he, he didn't have a great, great season, but uh, you know, they have like, you know, Shea Theodore who can play both sides and he's really, really good. So they don't want to trade him, but they might just have to, because they're not going to trade Mark Stone or, you know, maybe the, the Islanders get Max Patcher ready. Finally. I was going to say, Patcher ready. ready too. Yeah. He's so. definitely another one that, that I think yeah. can, uh, uh, Riley Smith too is another guy too. So, um, but uh, yeah, I marked so jumped out at me as a guy the Islanders probably could and should target. Okay, moving on. Uh, John asks, says, do we believe any big time free agents sign with the Islanders to give them more quote pop up front? I can picture Barzell's new deal getting done as the biggest signing of the off season and feeling glad, but disappointed. Uh, that second part is 100% <laughs> totally an Islanders thing. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to include this. Um, you know, I, free agents are going to be a tough sell to the Islanders, no matter what. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's one thing with Lambert. I don't know if he really moves the needle. Like you said, maybe people didn't want to play for Trots, and they they might want to play for Lambert. He's got a great reputation among a lot of players. So uh, I don't know. I just I look at these guys that are available this year, and I just maybe Fiala, possibly, I guess, but Goudreau is not going to sign with the Islanders because he's going to make a million bucks, a billion dollars. So it's he's he's out there. So I don't know how many how like depending on your definition of big. I don't know if any of their, those big free agents are going to sign here. Um, I just can't see it because I've never seen it before, but you yeah. never know. So Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. I think, like, what do you consider big? Um, right. Because, like, there's there. I think you could see a world where, you know, Vincent Trocek, who's, who could play center and the wing, like, is he yeah. big? Would you consider him as a big <laughs> signing? Would you consider, like, Ricard Raquel a big one? Because I think that – I ever Cal, yeah. Yeah, like that's kind of like what I am I'm assuming like the Islanders will get like one of those guys, like maybe like David Perron before <laughs> they trade him back to the blues. Um, <laughs> and then uh like I, I I mean Fiala and would would be great too. Like it, but I just it's hard to see. So I think that's probably the right way to approach the offseason is to go in thinking, hell, if they sign Matt Barzell to a long extension, mm. glad glad but disappointed is is much better than disappointed. And also, but or sad but disappointed. Yeah, that's right up there with the well. We're getting the guys back from injury is our <laughs> trade. <laughs> that's the worst. That's the that's the last thing you ever want to hear. Uh, Mark asks, "How are we to feel if the only free agent signing Lou makes is bringing back Nick Letty and nothing else?" <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> um, they got the whole idea of trading Nick Letty was to upgrade his position. Uh, they didn't do that, as you said, and as we've said all season long. If they bring back Nick Letty a year older, they're still not upgrading his position. I love Nick Letty. I'm a fan. I could totally see him, like you said, coming back. If they bring him back on a cheap deal because he misses the Islanders so much, I mean, I wouldn't be mad about it. It would be fine. I hope he plays a reduced role and they actually do upgrade that position. If he's the only free agent signing Lou makes this year, I will be absolutely furious. (laughs) Let's make sure that doesn't happen. Furious, but I'm surprised. And and we won't find out until you don't hear a word about Nick Letty's future until September when they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we we signed Nick Letty. Um, Free agency comes and goes without hearing Nick Letty sign anywhere. He's 100% signing with town. I think it's like, like you put it right. Say the Islanders go out and they get, you know, Jacob Chikrin or, you know, someone, you know, Shea Theodore or someone like that, right? Like Josh Morrissey. And then they bring in Nick Letty as, as the six number six guy mm. to play with Scott Mayfield on a third pairing. Like then I think that's kind of a shrewd move. Like sure, for sure the Islanders have Robin Sallow and Samuel Boldu, who we want to see for play. And um, you always have to assume that young young Buck 
Sebastian Ajo. We still don't know whether or not he's he's an NHL. Or yeah, he's gonna any of those guys, really. Yeah, but like you can yeah. have those guys, but like Nick Letty is someone that you can. He's he is next. His next contract is going to be the you know one year, basically one million or veteran minimum. Plus the caveat of you'll probably be the six seven guy. Like don't be surprised if you're in the press box for a bunch of games, and, yeah. and that's fine if right. as long as they as long as he's not in the Zidane Ochara role. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but it, well, for Letty, that role would be power play stuff, right? You know? Yeah. But you know, that's again. We then again, we spent four years complaining about how bad Nick Letty was on power play. So I don't necessarily want to see that. But again, bringing him back on a veteran minimum wouldn't be the bad idea. But bringing him, making him the only guy you sign this summer would be a bad idea. Uh, Tim, otherwise known as Cheapness, a longtime Lighthouse Hockey uh, commenter, asks: uh, Is there was there a rift between Barry and the players, or is it more like that the rift may have been philosophical between Barry and Lou? Uh, he also asked if uh, Lou can bring himself to, to part with Josh Bailey. Again, part two first. No, Josh Bailey. Ain't <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, was there a rift? I don't know if you'd call it a rift, but I mean, the things that I've read, and I mean, I, I read what everybody else read, Brooksy and and Frege, Uh, You know, I, I think that the, maybe the that play style had kind of worn on the players and they wanted to open things up a little bit more, particularly late in games. I mean, the Islanders lose a lot of games by kind of, you know, one or two goals and, never seems like they really deviate from things. So I think they just maybe want to open that, that that element up because after four years, that's hard, man. It's hard on the body. It's hard mentally. It's hard emotionally. They played a lot of games over a course of time. And, and I think, I think that's what it is. I don't think it's a rift in that, man, I can't stand this guy anymore. Um, but uh, I think, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's just that the, the players got a little bit tired of, of that, you know, that's my theory. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you're probably right. And um, it's, but we'll we'll just never know until Barry Trotz's biography comes out. I'm I'm guessing. Um, so I, I and of course he's not going to be able to part with Josh Bailey. I mean I can't part with Josh Bailey. That would <laughs> that would be tough, man. Um, yeah. I do like that the like they're doing some. They had like Clark Gillies night and Bailey and Clutterbuck were at the Yankee game together. So he's he's still doing the rounds. Um, so uh, no, Josh is Josh is never going anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Um. You know, I, I lost it. I thought I had it here, and I'm, I apologize for not remembering the person's name, but somebody asked if this was the biggest swing uh, for coaches in the looks department to go from sort of bald, round, <laughs> necklace, Barry Trotz to like taller, thinner, full head of hair, Lane Lambert that I can remember. Uh, I, I can, de- I mean, Scott Gordon and, and Jack Capuano yeah. were two kind of complete opposites, too. Uh, yeah, and, and, and like going from Steve Sterling, I mean, it was Brad Shaw, but like, Right. You're going from from Peter Laviolette to Steve Sterling too, like right, yeah. I guess Sterling kind of looks like he could be Peter Laviolette's dad. Yeah, <laughs> in a way, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> possible. Yeah, so I'm trying to I think mean, of other ones around the league. Yeah, too. no, there, there's a lot up. There. I mean, even even Wait and Capuano were kind of kind of different. But uh, the the other thing too that people keep mentioning about Lambert, he's only two years younger than Trotz, but he I looks know. much younger. So that's yeah. so great. Yeah. Um, um, another Josh Bailey question from Josh Bailey Fan Club. Uh, odds that Josh Bailey has a burner Twitter account. Uh, probably zero. He, he's probably, I, I don't think he has a Twitter, a burner Twitter account. I hope he doesn't. His wife might, but he probably doesn't. So he's too smart for that kind of stuff. I, you mean, <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite things about him yeah. is that oh, he good. has zero social media. It's like he, considering his arrival to the Islanders and then how his career started uh, and how he's become a kind of a cult icon and also 
the most hated Islander of all time at the same time. Is, like, God bless him for not having it. He, he, I wonder what he thinks the fans, like the general feeling of the fan base amount around him is. He might just, he might know spot on. Like he might be able to, cause he's such a smart dude, but uh, it's, it's truly one of my favorite parts about him is that he doesn't have any social media at all. Yeah. Yes. It makes him very mysterious and also uh, very, uh, you, you appreciate him more for just doing what he does and then just, that's it. He goes off and does, you know, anything else that he wants to, and you never hear about it. Uh, Steven Smith, our lighthouse hockey zone asks a great question. Do the Isles make the playoffs next season? And if so, which current East playoff team misses them to replace? Uh, I would hope, that they do make the playoffs and that the Rangers are the team that miss. Uh, but uh, I can see the caps missing. They got a lot. It's a weird team. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, well, still there, but you know, Backstrom is making a lot of noise that he's been hurt. Their goaltending situation is very fluid. Their D is going to get older. Um, I, I could see them missing. Um, and I'm not going to bet against the Penguins miss the play because they never missed the playoffs, no matter how much people complain about it. So I could see that happening. Um, I hope they make the playoffs because if they don't, um, that's going to be a problem. But we'll see. I said this before um, this season, and I was wrong. But I was, I was actually <laughs> incredibly wrong, as all four teams above them got 100 points. It's got to be the weakest division they've played against in yeah. 20 years, maybe next mm. year. Because, like you said, the Caps, like Backstrom, could be gone. Like they, they'll still be the Caps, but they have a lot of issues to sort out. Justin Schultz is a free agent. Like mm. who know they, they their prospect pool? I don't think is all that. Great. Then you have the Penguin situation where Malkin and Mutang and Rust are probably gone. Sure, Crosby and Gensel are great, but that completely changes that team. And we all we also know that their goaltending as good as Jari was last year. Uh, he's still, you know, pretty much a question mark. So then the Rangers, like we, we can probably call it one of the luckiest seasons that we've <laughs> ever seen from them. They they have a and they had a goalie who played, who had a Dominic Hoshik level season. So mm. he's not like, it, it'd be pretty bewildering if, if he does that again, it's, it's more likely that he doesn't, mm. which means that the, he probably won the Rangers, what, 16 points on like on his own this year. Um, so you take those 16 points away, half of them. Um, and all of a sudden the situation becomes a little more dubious with them. I think the hurricanes are probably the favorite to win the division again next year. Um, yeah. Devils, who's playing goal? So mm. like, the Flyers Devils, are by the way, uh, won yet another lottery. So they're <laughs> picking second this year. So some other superstar will be and end up there, and they'll probably still miss the playoffs by twenty. Yeah. Points. So <laughs> you know the Devils. Let's let's say the Devils are forty to forty percent yes, sixty percent no. The Flyers are a mess. The Blue Jackets are rebuilding. Yeah. So like the path is there. So I would say it's much more likely than not the Islanders make it, and I think that the that you can really make a case for I would say Washington is probably the most likely. Um, and then, but you can make a case for basically, you know, even, even the Bruins, like mm. they'll, they'll be better. I mean, they won't, they're not sorry. They won't be better, but they, they'll make the playoffs. But like, what if they lose Bergeron? Like that's right. a huge problem for a team. Yeah. Like, he's one of the best players in the league. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's, there's going to be a path there. I think it's, we'll, we'll probably start to see that changing of the guard that the West saw maybe a few seasons ago when the Sharks, Kings, right, it was all California. Blackhawks started to miss, yeah. um, miss the playoffs, and and the other teams started started to replace them. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just I don't know. I, I, it every once in a while I'm reminded that the 
all eight teams in the playoffs this year from the East all had over 100 points, which has never happened before. Yeah, so. Outrageous. Yeah, so <laughs> so there you go. Um, another Lighthouse Hockey uh, alum, Travis, asks, if you could bring back any New York Islanders skater in his prime for 22-23 season, but he has to be on the ice for every second of penalty kill for the entire season, who would it be? The answer, if he's going to play on a penalty kill, the answer is Brian Trottier. Sorry. Like, and that's a boring answer, but it's got to be Brian Trottier because everybody, he did everything. So why not have him be out there? Uh, anybody from maybe not 40 years ago that you had picked yeah. for the same question? I guess I missed his error. Like, for the the dynamic penalty kill unit, for, I mean, like, of course, like Grabner and, and Nielsen, of course, mm. were, were terrific on the PK. Um, but I'll go with the with Michael Pekka. Uh, because like a, him and him and uh, Bates as a as a pairing mm. uh, on that team were were fantastic in that that first season with Peck. I like I, I feel like he uh, he was built built to kill penalties. Nice, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, another one I thought I had in here, but I don't. Uh, who's your favorite? And I'm again, I apologize to whoever sent this in. It's a great question. Who's your favorite alliterative Islanders name? So for me personally, it's Adriana Coyne. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, I don't think the Islanders have had a whole lot. I have, but... I have one. I saw that question come in, and, and the first first name that came to my mind. He's one of my favorites ever, Randy Robitaille. Oh, that's a good one. Love that's him. a good one right there. That's a classic. That's a weird Islander right there. <laughs> Adrian Coyne, not a weird Islander, no. but Randy Robitaille. He's getting an episode at some point. Um, Alex Richmond, who uh, I've talked to via email, is one of the few Islanders fans in Ottawa. He uh, asked an interesting question too, like. Um, what were the best players who would have been amazing Islanders? Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of great players out there that, uh, you know, never were Islanders, but like how great would his, his example was Ron Francis. Like how great would it have been to see Ron Francis as an Islander? Obviously I'm a huge Ron Francis fan. That would have been fantastic, but I'm going to go with another ex penguin. How about Yarmir Yager? So mm-hmm. once again, the whole Yui Krupp thing <laughs> kind of screwed us out of getting Yager. Uh, for the for whatever, but uh, that would have been fun to see. And boy, talk about changing the trajectory of hockey history as we know. Imagine Yager as an Islander; that would have been pretty crazy. I uh, yeah, there, there was like a, a, a situation, I guess. In I'm trying to remember what year it was, where I I thought the Islanders were going to get uh, for some reason Sheldon Sore. Like I don't know oh, what wow. it was that convinced me that he was, and I always loved him. Um, I mean, very handsome guy and great power play quarterback. And um, for some reason, like, I always just thought he was going to come to the Islanders. Mm. Um, and in his prime, I mean, that is, he's not, on, of course, he's not on the same level as, as Jager and Francis, but for for some reason, he, his name jumped off, uh, jumped out to me when I saw this question, uh, because I just, for some reason, I always thought the Islanders were going to have a chance at him. Mm. I can just picture him in the Islanders. And I know he played with the Oilers, so this is mm. similar uniform. But like, mm-hmm. I can just picture him in an Islander uniform for some reason. We had a question, too. And again, I, I thought I had all this here. But uh, um, somebody asked who we – oh, no, I think it was – no, actually, it was you who was like, who who is a guy who you always thought should have been or would have been an Islander? And my answer was Scott Gomez was always the guy. I was yeah, like, and he was – that Drury Gomez yeah. summer was was, was uh, something – I and the answer is not going to – it's going to sound incredibly strange, um, but just someone who I always – there was one off season where Matthew Darsh was a free agent and the Islanders were like linked to him. And I kept reading about him. Like mm. I'll just say Matthew Darsh. Cause I, I, I felt like this guy was always destined to be um, an Islander, especially in the snow era when he was like bargain hunting all the right. time. Um, and I was like, I, I, maybe, I mean, it was probably before staple was on the beat, 
that the Islanders are like linked to him anytime. Every, I mean, he was a free agent every year. Him, yeah. him and Glenn Metropolitan were always like, you know, who, who, could, what, what free agents can the Islanders like realistically expect to go after? It's like, here are some exciting names: Matthew mm. Darsh, yeah. Glenn Metropolitan, yeah. and uh, so those two guys. Man, I wish we could do a weird Islanders on Glenn Metropolitan. He just, I just, I remember that guy. He just brings you right back to that sort of early 2000s time. Uh, okay. Carl asks, uh, each pick the top five Islanders alums you want to see UBS for an alumni game that haven't come back yet. I don't remember off the top of my head who has and hasn't come back yet. Uh, his answers are great ones. Jason Blake, Wade Dublowitz, Ole Kavasha, Brendan Witt, Kenny Janssen. Uh, this is really up your alley. I mean, yeah. do you have five guys? picked right off the bat or I think Dublowitz is probably number one on everyone's list. Right. This, and this is a question that's asked all the time on, on, <laughs> on, on you know, sports talk radio and stuff. Mm. Uh, Dublowitz definitely won. I think Kavasha is a, is a really strong answer for this one as well. Of course, Evgeny Nabokov, uh, Lubo Viznowski. Um, yeah. I don't know if Franz Nielsen's been back cause he's been retired, but you know, Janssen for sure. So I would go, just just have a couple different names. It would be Dubowitz, Nabokov, Viznowski, Kabasha, and our man Franz. Yeah. Yeah. Franz was the first guy that came to my mind. Viznowski's a good one. I would say that. Uh, yeah, I would go back, try to go back even a little bit further. I don't know if has Ken Baumgartner been back. He would get a huge pop. Uh, I know I know Vakoda's back, and just to see him and, and Vakoda together in a, in a luxury box, I think would drive people completely has, bonkers. Has Chris, has Chris Osgood been back? Um, I mean, with the Blues, I guess yeah. probably, but yeah, yeah, I don't think I would like. Yeah. I would like uh, to see right. him too. Oh, um, Ray Ferraro is another one. He's always working on those games, and I, I wish Sportsnet would just give him a day off or whatever. <laughs> just let him come here. Come on, man, let us let us cheer Ray Ferraro again. That's not five, but those that those are my top guys right there. That's a great question, and hopefully we see some more of them. Uh, Rob, who goes by Isles fan, says if you have a choice of a former Islander to meet. Who would it be and what question would you ask him? Well, to me, the answer is always my all-time favorite, Pat LaFontaine. And uh, I would uh, probably present him with my Buffalo Sabres, I, uh, Pat LaFontaine starting lineup figure for him to autograph. Uh, I don't know. But as we talked about last week, I kind of get starstruck. Like I've met G.I. Joe writer Larry Hama three times. and I think I've said maybe four words to him in all three of those times combined. So I, if I was ever in a room with Pat LaFontaine, I probably wouldn't actually get out any words to say anything. I don't know how you speak to a guy who's – meant that much to you, but uh, he's the guy I, I would like to meet. I never really got a chance to meet him. I walked past him once when I was an intern with Stan Fischler, and that was about as close as I got. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, who, who do you, you probably have a, a couple of guys that you... Yeah, I think, I think you know, go right back to it would be, you know, Wade Dulowitz, mm. and I just ask him, you know, why why haven't you kind of, like, leaned into, or do you realize, it'd be a two-parter, do you mm. realize your cult status here? Um also, Trent Hunter has never been back for the moment. He's also on the list. Yeah. Um, do, do you realize his, you know, your iconic stature mm. among Islander fans? And if you do, you know, why aren't you around more? Is there something that happened? Is it just something you're not comfortable with? Whatever. Um, so, you know, we 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 basically ask if Wade Dublowitz is listening to this podcast every episode <laughs> because it comes up. So I'll ask it again, and then yeah. know, Wade, if you are out there, uh, we just we really want to know. We got to beat the the talking Isles guys to, yeah. to the Wade Dublowitz interview. Um, that that yeah, right. Um, that reminds me actually. Uh, so uh, another answer would be Ryan Smith to ask him the same question. <laughs> if you, if you understand like what you meant, what that trade meant to the Islanders, it probably yeah. would. 
and ask him like if he if he remembers going to the airport <laughs> the, 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 the absolute dichotomy of the airports yeah. that he the, right. the juxtaposition of leaving the edmonton one throngs of media people crying fans with jerseys land at i think he landed at macarthur LaGuardia. Yeah. LaGuardia, yeah, Lanza LaGuardia. One person there recognizes right. him. Has he ever kept in touch? Has he yeah. kept in touch with the guy in the Jets hat? Yeah. Meant yeah. That <laughs> anyway, that's that's a good question, actually. Uh Asher asks a question that is one hundred percent right up your alley. Uh why'd they wave Jason Weimer? I feel like we never got an answer there. I don't remember him as exit at all. So I don't know, take it away. <laughs> well, yeah, this was one maybe one of my favorite questions. Um uh, <laughs> ever not just of this episode, just ever. Um this is a great question. Like right. I remember so the, when the Islanders were the year after they had made the playoffs for that first time, you know, they were in the mix again and snow was going to make a big move at the, oh, not snow, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Millberry was going to make a, a move at the deadline. Mm. And um, before the deadline, they traded Branislav Meze for Jason Weimer. So mm. if they gave up, but one was Meze pick 10, like right. it was a big pick. So yeah, was, they gave yeah. up, you know, they, they, these, they gave up a big, big prospect for him and, um, of course, I think a couple months later, they also had traded for, you traded Brad Isbister for Yanni Ninema. So this was a, an active deadline for the Islanders, Weimer and Ninema. Good guy. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, then he kind of just disappeared, um, mm. in the middle of the next season and, and there was no answer there. I think he ended up with the wild, um, or yeah. his next, his next team. So, I mean, it's a great question. I think th- th- there was no reason to that, that, that. 2003, 2014 didn't have much forward depth, and Weimer definitely had a good role. He, maybe he, he would have been the difference against the Senators, and the Islanders would have, mm. or no, I guess the Lightning. Uh, they, they would have won that playoff series with Weimer instead of the, the guys they had. <laughs> I don't know if he's on our weird Islanders list, but maybe we should we should yeah, do one on him because he has a, a weird. He's definitely a weird one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot going on. I mean, more, more Jason Weimer, more to meets the eye than when it comes to Jason Weimer, I guess. Uh, okay, uh, Dan asks, how did each of you end up an Isles fan? And if someone influenced you in that direction, will you ever forgive them? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to word that question. Um, I, I feel like I've told my story before, so I mean, I don't know if we've ever heard yours uh, at all. Uh, so uh, I mean, how, how did you come become an Islanders fan? Um, I guess so. When I was growing up, I loved hockey. I really liked Mighty Ducks, and I actually really liked the Anaheim Mighty Ducks for like a like when I was like five and six. I loved Geeky Bear, and I loved Solani and Korea, and I loved that team, and I loved the like the jerseys. Um, and like I just started get you know that's how I started to get into hockey. Mm-hmm. Was, was like everybody else do the, the Anaheim Ducks, um, and uh, eventually like my oldest brother David is a big Islander fan. My I'm one of five, and I have two older brothers. My oldest brother, David, is an Islander fan. Um, the one in between us, my brother, Kevin, he's a big Ranger fan. Uh, and I, my brother, David, kind of just convinced me, I guess, to go to Islander games. and Or went to Islander games, not convinced me. But I would just go because you can't go to the Garden. You couldn't go to the Garden back then either. You, nobody could afford it. Um, so we went to Islander games, and um, I would go with my brother and a couple cousins who were big Islander fans that are older than me. Uh, and they loved Darius Kasparaitis, they loved Pierre mm. Turgeon, they loved Ziggy Palfi. And then basically 2000, that, that 2000, 2001 team started, I can remember going to games, watching like Wade Flaherty and goal, I think. And we got a 
even before that, we got a Tommy Soderstrom, uh, Soderstrom stick, <laughs> like a, wow. it, like my brother got one. And so I thought that was really cool. That, that kind of cemented me as a fan. And then that I was 11 for the 2000, to the start of the 2001, 2002 season. So like, that's kind of, I guess, when you start to realize your know, sports and what a fan being a fan is like, and that team just, you know, sucked me in. So the answer is, um, yeah, like, yeah, so my brother David, but also, uh, you know, Michael Pekka and Alexa Yashin. I know mm. I will never forgive Pekka and Yashin and Kavasha uh, for, for what they did to me. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's interesting. We always talk about it. Like, you kind of came up as a fan during a really sort of fallow time. So it's always kind of interesting that, you know, how do people become Islanders fans during a time when they just stunk? Like, they weren't making the playoffs. But I guess lot, lots of brothers and whatever, you know, would I mean, influence you that way. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. Like, the Islanders, yeah. and that's kind of what I was talking about with, like, mending fences earlier. Is like, the Islanders are, the, the, the whole point of the Islanders is that they, they've, they're accessible, right? Mm. They're, they're a team that played down the blocks, down the block from Long Islanders. Wow. Um, and they need to make sure, like, just because they're moving to a building that more money that, that they don't lose that ethos. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Glamorello gives a, gives a shit about that ethos. Like he's, he wants to build a winner. Um, yeah. So they just need to make sure that that doesn't get kind of taken away. Cause traps totally understood that. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And actually we have a question about that coming up soon too, but uh, my story, uh, I mean, I, I'm from sort of post dynasty era and that was just what you did back in the eighties. You went to Islanders games. And I always say that, you know, I started watching this team when they were part of the community, like they were part of the pride of the community. You, you weren't like the one Islanders fan at your job. Like I've been in every single job I've ever had or, you know, the one Islanders fan on your block or in your friend group. Like everybody knew what was going on with the team all the time. Everybody knew when they were slumping or who this young rookie was. Just they were just part of the conversation. And my dad. Uh, my dad likes sports, but he's not like a fan of one team. He just sort of watches whatever's on TV because it's like not some detective show or interminably boring Italian talk show that my mom watches. Um, my dad has also probably never seen, not seen the end of a sporting event in about 35 years because he always falls asleep. Um, but so he wasn't like an Islanders fan, but they were there. They were the local team and he would get tickets from dudes he worked with and he would take me I was as his only son and we would go and it was terrifying and exciting all at the same time. But, you know, back then too, like we went to the college, this was, you know, in the mid eighties, you went to the Coliseum for everything. Islanders games, wrestling, Disney on ice, ice capades, circus, you name it, whatever was going on there, concerts, you just went because there was just less options on TV. Uh, so I, I, I don't blame him for putting me there, but you know, that's the local team. That's the team you, you root for. I just, it, it always, I always find it kind of weird that, you know, people would grow up on the Island and root for the Rangers. It's like, no, this is your local team here, so you really should be rooting for these guys as hard as it is sometimes. <laughs> but uh, but that's it. But yeah, I, you know, my dad, he and I used to watch, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, or the World Series, just so he could basically talk about it with the dudes at work. They were really more into the Italian national soccer team, and I remember going to visit him at work, and they always had. I think they won the the World Cup, I think, in like 1986 or 85 or something like that. And they had a big poster of the Azures in the you know in the office there, so that was his big thing. But yeah, if, if he's seen the end of a game in the last 30 years, I'd be shocked. He also doesn't watch movies because he falls asleep too. That's a whole other story. Uh, but that's a great question. Uh, Tristan, our good friend, he he's a very uh, vocal fan. He's been a fan of ours for a long time from across the pond. Uh, he asked, when was the last time the Islanders brought a tear to your eye? Uh, he said it could be either good or bad <laughs> when I asked for a little clarification. Uh, I'm not one to really cry at sporting events, but I will say that I've watched game six against the lightning from last year a couple of times, or at least the highlights. 
And uh, I have to uh, I have to collect myself every once in a while because it's like that's that that was heavy. That was really heavy. And like the the outpouring of emotion in that game, which resulted in a lot of stuff being thrown on the ice. (laughs) Remember, uh, is a lot and still is to this day. Just I remember, you know, it's only a year ago, but I remember just a tidal wave of just a million emotions all coming out at once and just my body just sort of shut down. I don't know if it, tears happen, but it's, it's still, still pretty heavy to this day. So that that's, I know it's a recent one, but that's it. That was a big one. You know? Yeah. The, I think that that's probably the last time they made me cry. The first time was probably the Sean Bates penalty shot. Um, mm. And then also I know I cried my eyes out when they lost that game seven. Um, yeah in my bedroom and my mom was like, you, you have like school tomorrow and you need to collect yourself and <laughs> figure it out. Um, it's not that big a deal. Um, so, but I mean, it happens a lot to me. I'm, yeah. Like I, I said a couple times in the show already, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge loser. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I remember crying um, when the Islanders played the, uh, well, the Dublowitz Easter Sunday, of course, yeah. cried for that one. Um, happiness. Probably cried when John Madden scored to tie the game up. Um, mm. <laughs> so I cried like six times during that, <laughs> that mm. game. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, I could go through. We could do an entire episode on it, um, the moments. But um, it happens a lot. But yeah, the first one I can remember was Bates, and the last one I can remember was um, the uh, uh, yeah game six against the Lightning. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a big one. First time I don't I don't even remember. I, I think I was just beaten into submission very early. <laughs> so, so, so many games as an intern for them and for Stan that I don't even remember, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that, that one's, that one's a heavy one. Um, also it doesn't get talked about a lot, but uh, not, not so much the, the game against the Panthers where he scored, but the Tavares goal in overtime against the caps. I remember also being like, mm-hmm. kind of like the, that game. Yeah. Season is like- I, I, I know I definitely cried that game. Cause that was going to be the last game at the Coliseum. I yeah. had like a picture of myself. Fine. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, and I, I have a lot of pictures from that game that I need to get like framed because I snuck onto the ice before the game and <laughs> like on the bench and was just like taking pictures all over the Coliseum. Um, so yeah, that, that, was, that a one big was another on the on the list. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not as as heavy as the Bovillier, but it was close, especially at the time. Uh, Francis, another loyal listener, uh, asks us a question that literally, as I told him, could be the basis for an entire other podcast. Yes. What's the weirdest piece of Islanders merch or memorabilia you own? I'm not, I don't have a ton of Islanders merch. I guess, I don't know if it's weird, but I do have every issue of Islanders game time magazine, which I used to write for. I don't know if that's really considered merch or memorabilia. Um, I think I'd have to say my uh, pretty rare, he wasn't an Islander at the time, but he obviously always will be considered by me as an Islander. Uh, My, 1998 Nagano Olympics Team USA Pat LaFontaine action figure. I'm mad at myself that I lost the helmet and stick somewhere during my, one of my many moves. Uh, but I have the figure still. It looks absolutely nothing like Pat LaFontaine. Uh, but uh, I got it at the um, Kmart in Grand Central Station. Uh, no, sorry, in Penn Station. Uh, again, on my way home from, uh, from work with Stan. And uh, I should have left it in the box. It was really dumb of me. Um, then I would still have the stick. So I'm going to go with that because nobody remembers those figures are made. They didn't make a ton. I think they made a, a Gretzky one. They might have made an Amante one, but I have the LaFontaine one, of course. Uh, yeah, for me, um, I'm looking around my room right now, um, like my office, and the answer has to be my my Chris Osgood 
keg tap. Oh wow! Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> strange. I don't. I'm, I found it on eBay once. It's just it. It's Chris Osgood making a, st- a pack a st- stacked pad save, um, and it's yeah, it's a tap for like a bar. That's cool to, to pull to pull pints with. Um, and then the honorable mentions go to my Fra- Franz Nielsen game used hockey shorts from the black the first black jerseys. So oh, wow. the shorts that yeah. I'm looking at those right now, and then I have a, a Brian Trottier poster that's up in frame that it says, "If you if you really believe in America, prejudice is foul play." And then it's got a signature under there. So that's awesome. Yeah, um, I can picture that say, that two pack stave right now because I have the Todd McFarlane, Chris Osgood action figure <laughs> from years ago, and uh, he's making that exact same save. Uh, just uh, you mentioned eBay, and I just. You know, my, my favorite thing, this stuff isn't usually weird, but like my favorite thing is going to flea markets or garage sales or whatever and finding Islander stuff out in the wild. So I have a puck on my desk right here. I have a, a, a pennant too that I found in just random flea markets here in New Jersey. So it's just, you know, they're not they're not weird in the sense that the item itself is weird, but it's just weird that somehow these things, you know, whatever happened in their life, they ended up in yeah. a flea market in New Jersey uh, in 2021 or 22. So <laughs> I always find that kind of fun. Um, John, who uh, goes by Oleg Kavasha on Twitter, good friend of ours, uh, really great guy. He asks, uh, I guess this is a question for me because you're not a big comic book guy. Uh, which Islander looks like he's an unused X-Men member? Jim Lee designed in 1990. And why <laughs> is it Andrew Lee? Uh, Lee would be a good one. Um, my other answer would be Eric Cairns. Still big, tall guy. You know, he's got that that gray hair and his head is kind of like square shaped, which is kind of like a Jim Lee thing. I was thinking like they always have like square heads. So they go. When I first read this, I thought he, he wrote not Jim Lee, but Rob Liefeld. And I was going to write back. They need more pouches. There's not enough pouches, which is the Rob Liefeld thing for anybody. But uh, yeah, so he's going to go with Anders Lee. I'm going to go with Eric Cairns. Both both not bad answers. Uh, KV asks uh, Shaq's big chicken or classic Coliseum hot dog. I got to be honest. I don't know if I've ever had a hot dog at the Coliseum. I ate a lot of popcorn there, uh, and it was always too salty. So uh, I haven't had Shaq's Big Chicken yet. Not a fan of blue cheese, uh, but I would get it without that. But I've heard good things about it. My personal favorite Islanders food item of all time is actually from Barclays Center, and it was from uh, Carla Hall's kitchen. She had, like, the fried chicken kitchen. Carla Hall was on Top Chef. She was on uh, uh, The Kitchen, I think, is the show here or whatever it is. She's, she's been on TV forever, basically, for a long time now. And uh, that chicken from that place was fantastic. I don't even know if it's still open, but uh, yeah, Carla Hall's. If you're in Barclays for something, check out Carla's Kitchen if you can, because that chicken was really great. Have you tried either of these two things? I mean, you've had oh, a hot yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had a ton of calcium hot dogs, and they're delicious. Uh, so <laughs> that's the answer there. It's. Uh, I mean, I, I, I do kind of miss the calcium food. What one of my favorite Islanders ways ways to explain the how small market the Islanders were during most of my life was I remember when they got uh, this is probably what two thousand nine maybe two thousand seven so, so so ballpark food was starting to become more uh, elevated let's say um, the Islanders got a subway in there oh, yeah. I mean like subway uh, it was like a stand. Yeah, it was a stand. It had two sandwiches, and it was the biggest deal to the team. Like they were like, make sure if you're going to go to Subway, you get there early because the line is going to be long. Like they thought it was like this really, really innovative thing that was 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 happening. Um, but uh, I don't. I think I probably ate there a couple of times. But yeah, the calcium hot dogs were they tasted like Nassau calcium, which is delicious. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it just occurred to me like I don't know if I've ever had a hot dog there, but lots and lots and lots and lots of popcorn. Um, Big Lloyd. 
who is another loyal listener, uh, asks uh, if I'm going to start writing a sequel to the Tao Trots called Lane's Learnings. The answer is hell no, I am not. <laughs> no more of these things. Please, I can't take it anymore. Uh, I am working on the next season of Islanders Award Winners. It is going painfully slowly. I'm hoping to get them out uh, sometime early next season if I can. Uh, the writing process is what really what takes a long time, and I'm working on one right now. But uh, I think people are going to like it. we got some award winners that uh, I guarantee people don't remember ever happened, plus a couple that uh, are you know seasons for the ages. So uh, uh, hopefully people like it when it comes out. But no, no, no more Tower Trots, no more free agency encyclopedias, none of this stuff. No offense to Lane Lambert, but it ain't happening. Uh, he seems like a smart guy. Seems like a very erudite speaker, but no thanks. Uh, uh, somebody named LH8, LH Hockey? Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Dom. Everybody knows it's Dom. Uh, he asked, who was spotted skating at Iceworks this week? Oh, always a good question yeah. around the Islanders. Uh, it's probably Radic Martinek, uh, but maybe it's Miro Shatan? I think, no, no, I think... Um, Slovakia is playing in some tournament right yeah, now, right? Yeah, he's busy. He's busy yeah. with, with Slovakia these days. Yes, so I'm sure Martinex. It's the Martinex uh, Seidenberg pair. Yeah, uh, they're they're still there. And uh, I I will say so. This 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 is an interesting question because I think that next year that crew is going to grow. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, maybe a full full scale six defenseman unit here, plus skating at Icework with Martinek Seidenberg. Andy Green, Big Z, and then of course you got Cairns and Matt Carpenter, who are always skating at Iceworks too. It's just you know when 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 Islanders, um, you know when they when they retire, they 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 go to the big Iceworks in the sky, <laughs> and, and uh, so that's uh that's who's skating at Iceworks this week. Yeah, um, I mean if if Green and Chara settle on Long Island, I'll be shocked. Uh, but if they did, the one hundred percent they're gonna maybe Seidenberg is enough to get them to uh to go do that and stay there. So that would be something. But uh, yeah, I think of Iceworks. I mean, if the, how have they not renamed Iceworks Matic, Radic Martinek Arena? I don't understand. <laughs> Who spent more time there than him? I don't. <laughs> um, Dom also asked, uh, can the Barry Trotz era be better understood as the Simon Belmont era? This is obviously a reference to my favorite video game series of all time, Castlevania. I guess what he's getting at is like in Castlevania, at least the classic Castlevania games, uh, the idea is that Dracula returns once every hundred years. So some member of the Belmont family has to fight him, kill him, so that he comes back a hundred years later and menaces their great great grandchild or whatever. Um, I hope not. Uh, but if it is, then this would be, I guess, the Castlevania two sort of era of Islanders hockey with Al Arbor being sort of Castlevania one. Uh, so we'll have to see who ends up being uh, Castlevania three. The, the timeline is all off, but uh, I, I don't know. I hope not. Is what I'm saying. Even though I love both the Islanders and Castlevania. Um, Mike Levac, our, another good friend of ours from Lighthouse Hockey at I Can See for Isles, asks, how much wood could a clutterbuck chuck if a clutterbuck could chuck wood? The answer is, I don't know, because he'd get hurt. And then he would get hurt, and then he would come back and would chuck some wood, and then you'd be like, oh, that was actually a pretty good amount of wood. But, you know, he got hurt. So, I don't know. <laughs> it just goes to show, like, his, he's got one of the, the more – underrated yeah. hockey names and and, and it's we're, we take it for granted now because yeah. he's been well, actually, with the islanders for so long he's an alliterative name too i completely didn't even think yeah. and martin case is thick is too yeah that's what, just... what have we been doing here so well that's a perfect segue to this question here which is from will who asks do you worry the isles weirdness is behind them and they're bound to be a normal functioning franchise and is that a good thing 
I don't think the as we've seen the last week and a half, I don't think the Islanders will ever be a normal functioning yeah. hockey team. Um, but they'll always be weird, only because of where they are, and it's just such and their their connection with the fan base and you know the dynasty and and the whole roller coaster uh, history of the franchise. Like I, I don't think they'll they'll ever they'll never not be weird. There are certain teams that are never weird, and certain teams that will never not be weird. The, the Anaheim Ducks to me will always be weird. Like again, the suburban team, the Winnipeg Jets will always be weird <laughs> to me uh, as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I don't think the Islanders are ever not going to be. Weird. Yeah. And I, 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 I actually understand this question pretty well too. Like, cause there were times um, where it did feel like, Oh man, like they're, they're becoming way too normal. It's just getting strange. Uh, and then, yeah, like they just do something. So uh, the weirdness, if would, I can just not imagine them ever getting past it. Like it's, they like you said, it's they're a product of their environment. They're a team of the community, uh, and communities are weird. So it like you know you can you can really not be weird in a city because you got eight million people in it, um, <laughs> and you can you know hide the weirdness much better with 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 the kind of big marketing uh, functions, but. Uh, yeah, the Islanders just will never be uh, a team. <laughs> yeah, a team, a team like the Islanders is just it's the, the Sabers too. Like you, th- you think of them much more as like a team that has you know they're much like they're like the VFW. Like <laughs> you know, like that's like we're all we all go. We went to the Nassau Coliseum. The Coliseum was just like one big VFW where you'd go and uh, you'd have like there for like a sweet 16 or a communion or whatever some sort of catered function whereas of the the non-weird teams they go to you know these big kind of catering halls and um i'd always much rather be at the vfw <laughs> yeah that, that that's a good way to put it um yeah there's they're also i mean the islanders have that direct connection to the 70s and that kind of weird and woolly wha period so it always kind of makes them weird um no sleep till playoffs. Isles Ordy uh, at Isles Ordy asks uh, for the true nightmare fuel here. Bigger <laughs> nightmare scenario: Rangers or Leafs winning the cup. Ultimate kick in the nuts. Trots leading Toronto to a cup. Well, it seems like Sheldon Keefe is going to keep his yeah, job. Why would you ever fire Sheldon Keefe. Yeah. <laughs> <He's just> so <laughs> he got so much respect in the handshake line. Yeah, oh my fire? god, this guy is just—he's—he's he's growing as a coach every year. He's got them to the game seven again, and but this time they didn't embarrass themselves. So he can't. Uh, we should mention that uh, Elliot Friedman wrote that uh, Trotz was apparently interviewing today with the Winnipeg Jets. What kind of interview are you going to give Barry Trotz, dude? He's the third winningest coach in the history yeah. of the league. He's- I think the question, it's probably just like, hey, Barry, we have two questions. One, do you want to coach next year? Right. Two, okay, you do. Then do you want to coach us? He interviews right? like, you. Like, right. I don't understand. <laughs> but and, uh, and I will say that if, if, you know, if he does coach next year, Winnipeg, sign me up, please. Sure. That would be great. Just let, okay, nothing – you know, as long as as long as he's he's in that Western Conference and coach, you know, coaching the Jets, that's that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, as for the question, I mean, I, I, again, I throw it to you, like Rangers or Leafs winning the Cup. What's I yeah. mean, fortunately, the Leafs can't do it this year, thank God. Right, and, and I think that's why I'm saying the Rangers now. But like, I go back and forth on it, honestly, because the Leafs thing is there's a um, there's an expiration date on it, right? It's it's when uh, their Johnny Toronto uh, leaves <laughs> uh, once he's gone. Not that I'll stop hating them, but I won't be afraid of Gary Bettman handing him the cup before the Islanders get one. So, uh, yeah, so probably the Rangers, um, just because there's there's only so many more kicks at the can that mm-hmm. the Leafs have, and um, you know, like like this, this Rangers 
anytime the Rangers are in the playoffs, it's uh, I've convinced my I convinced myself that they're going to win the cup, and so right now I'm pretty horrified. Yeah, I um, you know, I just if the thing about the Leafs, well, if they trade Tavares and then they win the cup, I I think I would be fine with that. Yeah. Like it's it would as long fine. as it's not with him, like right. I really just won't care. Um, <laughs> exactly. But you know what's gonna what's weird, and this happened with the Red Sox when they won the World Series and the Cubs. Like you don't realize that not winning for so long becomes your team's identity. And I know it sucks as a fan, but like once you break that, you're just another team. Like, I mean, I remember very vividly the Red Sox going 86 years without winning a World Series, and it was like, uh, okay, then they won, and it was like, well, now what? And the, and then anytime they complain about the curse of the Bambino, it's like, dude, shut up. You just won. You know, and the Cubs too. Like, I watched the Cubs win, the, win a World Series the first time in 100 years, and now the Cubs are just any old team. They're playing in, playing in an old ballpark somewhere. Like, they're just, I don't know, whatever happened to them. And that's why I never understand why neutrals root for the Leafs. Because yeah. once, once this once this is over, once they get past round one, once they win the cup, it's gone. That That is not a thing anymore. Right. So, um, well, may it continue. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I agree, one hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then the last uh, last response here, not a question, but it's from Matt, who uh, so again a long time listener and and follower, and uh, he just wanted to congratulate us on two hundred episodes. So thanks, Matt. We really appreciate that, and uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to either between one and two hundred episodes <laughs> or two hundred one two episodes of this show. We really appreciate it. And thanks again, to everybody, for sending in these great questions. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad we got questions that we could actually answer and not, you know, stuff about the inner workings of the Islanders because we absolutely have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to that stuff. But uh, this was great. We got a lot of questions that were definitely right in our warehouse, which is nice because that means people have connected with us <laughs> and know, know what we're capable of. Yeah, and and at, at episode four, because we, we do one mailbag uh, every 202 episodes. So at episode 404, uh, mm. we'll make sure to, to get some more Maple Leafs questions in there because I, I really want to talk more. We're on an hour sure. and 45 minutes here, but I, I, I have, you know, another 30 minutes in me to talk Leafs, but um, yeah. I'll, I'll save that for the, I'll save that for, for another time. Yeah. This, I mean, when we talked about doing this, I, we didn't, I mean, who could have possibly expected all this other stuff to talk about? So this wasn't meant to be a basically triple album episode, if you will. Uh, but uh, I'm glad it worked out. And again, everybody's got plenty of time with no Islanders playoff games on the horizon. So uh, I'm and, glad. Yeah, and thank you for the questions. I, I really, I thought, you know, we were gonna not going to get many. I, 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 I there's a uh, one, one that wasn't really a question, but just a, uh, from another, a listener in, in uh, from England. He, he's now over here. Uh, Gavin Taylor, who's a, Leeds United fan and, and Leeds and Everton are two of the three teams in the uh, in the relegation battle right now. So uh, you know we're we're both hoping that it's it's Burnley that go down and not uh, Everton. Um, and he asked me if, if I'm an Everton fan just because being an Islander fan isn't miserable enough. <laughs> um, and and I do just and the question when the people ask me about Everton like the the story about me becoming a fan an Everton fan it goes back to 1998 when my family almost moved to England, mm, but. Wow. Yeah, but um, the reason, uh, one the reason I do enjoy them so much is because it, there are a lot of Islander kind of parallels you can draw with. They're in a two-team city. The other team is a lot more money, and then the Everton is much more like kind of community-based. So um, I just wanted to to mention Gavin before I forgot. And you know, if if it, if if we'll just hope that Burnley is the team that gets relegated. Um, <laughs> I really only have time for this this team anymore. I wish I could get into soccer. I, I throw it on the, on Saturday mornings, but 
I don't really know what's happening. So, um, uh, I just, I just try and enjoy it, but I always try and root for Everton because that's your team. Thank, thank so. you. We'll need you on Thursday. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you got it. Uh, and that, that's a perfect segue to uh, let everybody know to listen to Mike's soccer podcast, The Wonder Goal from uh, Action Network. Also listen to Line Change. You guys just put out your second round preview uh, today. Uh, so check that out. And uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lee Basket with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski if you don't already, uh, and uh, you can uh, read his uh, his work at the Action Network. Uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Obviously, had a lot going on the last couple of days. We will be back later this week with a new Weird Islanders. We got a great guest. Uh, this Trots thing really really yeah. screwed everybody's schedule up, man. It's been a nightmare just to get everybody together. But we're going to do that this week, and we might actually follow that up with an exact with another weird Islanders uh, before getting back on schedule. I, I, I met up with uh, Mike Smith, a weird Islanders alumni mm. guest uh, the day after Trotz was fired. And, um, you know, we, we obviously, we had talked because uh, I had to go into the city for work. And so we talked a couple weeks before about how it'd be in that day. And then of course it ends up being almost, it was almost like going to a, a two person wait. Cause we just went to some like dime a dozen bar in Midtown and, I had a tea and, and he had a, a couple of drinks and um, it, it felt very much like a, like a wake in, in that and, and just very unsuspected wake. Um, so I, I, I do want to say that at this point, like I feel like I've gone through all the stages of grief for Trotz and now I'm <laughs> into the, the part where I'm like just truly appreciating right. that we had him and it was just so great. Yeah. You, this is where you turn yourself over to a higher power and yes. just be like, I was, I'm glad that that happened. That the kismet brought us all together for this one one brief time, but uh, but that that's a cool story. <laughs> oh, is that when you were at Rudy's? Is that what you were saying? Or uh... that was, yeah, I was at Rudy's on, on Monday, uh, yeah. and then I had to go into the city Monday and Tuesday for work last week. Rudy's is just the best. So, well, all right, so I'll end you with this: a better hot dog, Coliseum or Rudy's? Oh, Rudy's. Rudy's is hot just dog. the yeah. best, man. Those those free free hot dogs with a three dollar beer, um, <laughs> served served with a scowl from the bartender who's. You know, that's kind of part of their kitsch, I guess. Is like, not that not that they're mean, but like they're just like, here's your hot dog. You can't miss Rudy's. Just walk up the west side, and when you see the pig, stop and go in and so, uh, have a hot place. dog and drink. Yeah, classic place. Anyway, uh, that's about it for today. Boy, I think we've covered enough. Uh, but we'll be back with the Weird Islanders. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for the great questions. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll move it up in the schedule to. Uh, you know, something earlier than 202 episodes. <laughs> next, <laughs> next, next, we do. But uh, until next time, uh, take care and we'll talk to you later. Bye bye.